0: We're filling this place with smoke again. That's fine. This has become like a like a regular thing on the show now. I thought I was going to be just with you whenever you're in here, but then I've had a couple other guests that I've smoked cigars with on the show.
1: what's a great excuse to smoke a cigar. <laughs> yeah, or or to have a show. Yeah. I don't
0: really need an excuse, you know. Pardon? Um, I don't need an excuse. That's true. I like these Upmans.
1: They really are good cigars. These
0: H. Upmans, yeah, they really they really are. I mean, these are like nine, ten bucks a piece, and
1: well worth it. <clears throat> I
0: think they're pretty good. I've tried maybe five, six different kinds at this point.
1: Have you tried Maduro's and stuff like that, no. Partagas? No, huh? No, shut up. Romeo and Juliet.
0: I have one. I ha- I bought one last time. I haven't smoked it yet, but I do have one.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's um, a that's a good nice brand.
0: Yeah, I've heard. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. I need I need a little more I
1: used to I used to smoke all of those I used to like Maduro's. um uh, no what was it
0: I'll get some of those next time
1: no these are fine
0: these are these are I mean I really like them have you seen uh, the show the blacklist no with uh James spader
1: no blacklist about what
0: he's a criminal ends up becoming a uh, ci for the fbi and so he starts targeting criminals who are essentially his competitors in in a lot of cases not always but a lot of them are his competitors and so he takes them out of the game
1: that's pretty common
0: yeah yeah well i want you to, to elaborate on that in a second but there's a great scene in that show but i need to I'm going to show you how it goes right now, but I need to give this thing the, the lighter keeps going out. So I'm having trouble lighting, but maybe I should use the match. But here we go.
1: It's a kind of a little lighter. You should get some of the bigger flame. It's oh, that's good people- enough. <laughs> yeah, you got that baby going.
0: <laughs> oh, finally. There we go. So there's a scene where he's smoking a cigar and he goes, I picked these up last week in Havana. From Castro's personal humidor,
1: <laughs>
0: communism may be discredited, but it still produces a damn fine cigar.
1: It used to say that in Havana, uh, they used to have t- cigar factories called tabaqueras, and that they would hire beautiful young women. And that the way that they would make the cigars is, it would roll. The tobacco on their thighs. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, which I doubt, but it's 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 a nice it's a nice story. <laughs> I
0: used you to know. hear guys talk about that in the Middle East growing up, like my dad and his friends. So that's why when they smoked a cigar, they would lick it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was
0: rolled on women's thighs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's as close as a lot of guys in the you Middle know, East you will ever to get Mexico to licking a, a guy, woman's thigh. And,
1: and get Cuban cigars. Mexico has ties and trade ties with Cuba. Yeah. So if you're ever in Juarez, you can pick up a couple cigars. I don't know if you can bring them in.
0: I had a friend who uh, was an army ranger, rest in peace. He was a nice guy. But uh, he had a rough childhood. He grew up in in an orphanage. And then the trauma of war and with his upbringing, he just couldn't deal with it. Gets out, gets out of the army, and he was just drinking like a fish. And then he started doing cocaine, and so I mean it was just very unhealthy, very self-destructive. And he got busted with a whole lot of coke. A few weeks go by, I didn't see him. I started asking around. I asked one of our buddies. I said, "Hey, where's I'm not going to say his name. Let's just call him John." I say, "Hey, where's John? I haven't seen him in a few weeks." He goes, "Dude, we don't know. All I can tell you is he got busted with a bunch of coke." And it was either go to prison for a while or become a CI. So he became a CI. A couple months later, we found out he had OD'd and died.
1: Oh, poor guy. You know what did he OD on? I don't know. But I
0: did see him one time open up a big bag of coke and just stick his face in it.
1: Yeah, I've and seen take, stuff. Take, like take that. a big whiff. <laughs> I've seen stuff. <laughs> he was like an that. animal. I was at a party one time in Colombia, Bogota. Must have been. 70 to 100 people, you know, straight out of a movie scene. You know, it's cocaine all over the place. And I'm sitting there and I was talking to a young lady next to me, and there's a guy sitting across a coffee table from me. And he says, Hey, you haven't done any coke. I said, I don't do that. I'm not going to do that. And he looks at me and goes, How do we know you're not a cop unless you do coke with us? I looked him right in the eye and I said, Man, i'm not going to get a bad long a lifelong bad habit just to prove to you i'm not a cop another guy says well you got to do coke then we got each other's face a little bit and somebody he was drunk and somebody came and pulled him away and told him to be polite to me
0: well he's he's an idiot because wait this was this wasn't in america you said this was where
1: in colombia okay in colombia
0: so i don't know how it works over there but in america there's a thing that I'm sure you're all too familiar with called otherwise illegal activity, where police are given a carte blanche to break the law. They can do drugs, they can have sex with minors, they can do all sorts of illegal shit.
1: They can't that have sex put, with minors
0: in some cases, n- not even.
1: No, it doesn't that's, go that far. No, no, never, that'll never happen. Th- so, that's just in movies. Yeah, that's that's just that's BS because I saw that in the same uh, thing for drugs, the same for drugs. Well,
0: I'll really? You, yeah. So what? So what is otherwise illegal activity then? What does it cover?
1: Otherwise illegal activity, they can lie to you. They can lie to you. That's they not, can tell but, you but that... Lying
0: is not illegal unless it's under yeah, yeah, well,
1: You know, it's... Here's the problem with otherwise illegal activity. It can be used in the trial, you know, as inducement, as entrapment. You know, if I'm a defense attorney... And I tell a guy, you know, that the officer, the undercover agent who ultimately arrested you, did he forever provide you with drugs? Yes, he did. Did you guys do drugs together? Yeah. And that goes to the issue of entrapment. Then I argue to the jury, look what he did, ladies and gentlemen, to get up to do this. He pretended. Otherwise, you don't have to and you don't have to do that to a drug dealer that's willing to sell you drugs. So that's item number one. Item number two is They can't let the drugs go through. They can't let the money go through because then they're putting drugs on the street or putting or allowing the bad guys to get enriched. I'll give you an example.
0: So real quick, I looked up the Google definition of it. The confidential informant guidelines permit the FBI to authorize confidential informants to engage in activities that would otherwise constitute crimes under state or federal law if engaged in by someone without such authorization.
1: Correct. They allow informants, not agents. An informant could do ah, touché, huh? Yeah, an informant can do drugs with you. An agent's going to get fired for doing drugs. All they got to do is drug test him and he's gone. Uh huh, informants are different. Ah, Informants have looser rules, you know. And 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 I'll give I'll give you an example of not letting the money go by. I have a guy comes to me and he goes, "They just uh, I got pulled over by a state cop, and he eventually ended up searching my car, and he found eighty three thousand dollars, and he took it from me." And I got a sister next to him. Now, his sister had just recently divorced a very well-to-do doctor. And he, the guy, tells me the story. My sister's willing to say that my $83,000, she lent them to me from the $500,000 she got from her doctor ex-husband a week ago. And I asked him this question. Had you just finished the drug deal? Yes, I had. And what happened? Well, I finished the drug deal. I delivered the drugs. I picked up $83,000. Well, I I delivered the drugs yesterday and the day before, and today I picked up $83,000, and I got pulled over for switching lanes without signaling. I said, well, that's called a pretext stop. And the reason you got pulled over is because you sold to an informant or to an under- undercover agent. And they're not going to let you keep the money. They're going to pull you over. And I'll tell you why. Because at a trial, if I'm cross-examining an agent, and I go, you paid him $83,000 for the drugs you see for him, right? And you let him keep the 83000 right? If he says yeah, then I turn to the jury, I go, they're enriching people. They're enriching drug dealers with your tax money. So what they do is they'll send over a, another officer of some kind, either a local police officer or a state police officer, and they'll pull the guy over. And then they'll start working the guy until they get the search of the car. They get the $83,000. They're going to say, we're going to seize these because this, kind of, um, this amount of money can be related to drug dealing We're going to send you a letter a month from now, telling you that we are going to forfeit your money, and you can fight it in state. You can fight it civilly, either in state court if it's a state seizure, or in federal court if it's a federal seizure. And I tell the guy, they're just not letting you get away with the money. It's it's that simple. Your sister saying that it's her money has only put your sister in trouble. It's going to get your sister in trouble for lying you know, to the feds. I go, you lost your money. That's how simple it is. Oh, no, that's not. I couldn't, just, I couldn't convince the guy otherwise. I also gave him another tip. I said, if I were you, I would get scarce for a while. Ah, oh, no, blah, 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 blah. You know, about two to three weeks later, you know, they kicked in his door and took him away. Mm. That's that's how it works. So the let. The government can't let you get away with drugs. They can't let you get away with big money. Do you understand? They'll always figure out a way of getting it back. Now, let's say a guy does a reverse buy. and Let's say a defendant picks up two kilos from a cop, an undercover cop. Well, they're not going to let that guy put it on the street because now... It's the police putting drugs on the street through the dope dealer. You see, yeah, and, and 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 that's the practice and that's the policy of most agencies. In terms of informants, informants can informants can get away with it bunch of stuff. I've cross-examined informants who pistol-whip their wives, you know, and nothing happened to them. Uh, you know, stab somebody and nothing happened to them. Uh, They do all sorts of stuff. And if they're a good snitch, the cops want to keep them on the street and they'll shake their finger in their face and don't do this anymore. Mm. But if you sit down and do a RICO trial, you know, I mean, I remember cross-examining a guy who was getting six months after he killed six people, including a civilian non-gang or mafia woman the mother of three who was a witness in a mafia killing, and she wouldn't back off. So they sent somebody to kill her. So this informant is getting a six-month sentence, and the guy that I'm defending is looking at 10 for life. Mm -hmm. And he's never killed anybody. But the informant had killed six people, like I said, including a mom. So most agencies make make their bust based on informants snitches. You know, and there's all kinds of rules to, you know, to be a snitch. You have to sign a contract. You sign a contract not to do anything. Snitches get in trouble when they start dealing. All right, if you're a snitch on a drug case, and you start dealing on your own, you're going to end up under the prison, and they figure it out, and it often happens. Hmm. I mean, I could tell stories all day about snitches that stepped on their own dick.
0: You know, <laughs> tell, tell him, give me a story like that. <laughs> what an expression. By the way, it would be very impressive if somebody was able to actually step on their own dick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I could do that, I wouldn't be working for a living. <laughs> but anyway, all right, here's the story I got a U.S. attorney. He calls me and he says, Ken, I have a client for you. Now, when a US attorney calls you up and says he has a client for you, you have to, you know, the red flags go up right away. US attorneys don't send defense attorneys clients. So I go, all right, so I go talk to the guy, and here's the deal on the guy he's here illegally. He's got papers pending. He's married to a U.S. citizen, but he's got no status. But he's got a petition pending based on his wife's citizenship. This guy is responsible for something like, I forgot the amount, but it was around 100 kilos of coke, all right? Wow. They arrested him for it. But so I go, okay, now we're having court at 4 30 in a friday afternoon and this is a bond hearing in front of a us magistrate i show you know i talked to the guy beforehand and, and 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 the us attorney says uh don't charge these guys too much okay i go all right you know i didn't discuss my fee but he told me just you know don't kill these guys with a fee So I talk to the guy, and I go, hey, 15 Gs, will that do it? He goes, oh, yeah. So I come out of the marshal's lockup, and his family's there. I tell them, you guys have to come up with 15 Gs right after court. And they go, not a problem. We go in front of the U.S. magistrate. And the U.S. magistrate comes out. And he looks at us, and he goes, "Uh, the government hasn't filed a motion to detain, so I'm giving this guy a bond on his own recognizance. And I got three FBI agents. I still don't know what's going on. I'm getting the idea, though. They want this guy out because he's working. They want him out. So then, you know, then the judge gets off the bench, and we're all standing there i got to go down to the lockup and wait for the guy. Meanwhile, on the way down, I talk to the agents, and they tell me this guy's bringing in uh, 35 kilos. There's a 35 kilos coming to him. And we're going to seize those kilos, and it's going to uh, go to his benefit. So I get the guy out, and I'm still in the federal courthouse. By now, all... All the court security officers are looking at me cross-eyed because they want to close at 5, and it's about 5.30. So I tell the guy, don't even go near the border, all right? Because if they think you're trying to, you will have a tail on you tonight. Well, we're going to meet in the morning at 9 a.m. at the FBI office up on Mesa Hills, and he's going to debrief, and he's going to make phone calls, at the dope in, right? Recorded phone calls. Now, I don't want to be a part of that. I'm not going to be there because I don't want to know what's going on. I don't want to know the, know the details of the operation because if it goes south and there's a shootout, I'm the guy they're going to suspect the new, right? Yeah. Maybe I tip the other guys off. Right. So I cut myself out of that on purpose. Now, we show up at 9 a.m., We show up at 9 a.m., walk in like nothing happened, and three FBI agents and two U.S. Marshals are there, and they grab this guy. And the FBI agent runs up to him, pissed as hell, sticks his finger in the guy's face, and he goes, you motherfucker, you motherfucker, you betrayed me. The guy goes, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I didn't betray you. He goes, yes, you did. You know what this idiot did? Mm. Well, as soon as he got out and his wife drove him home, he drove to a Walmart and bought a burner phone. Right? Okay. And then he called up a guy in Dallas. And here's what he said to the guy in Dallas. Those $60,000 you were having come to me, don't send them to me. The FBI has me. Don't send them to me. Send them to my mother in Juarez. I remember he's using a burner phone. But guess what? The guy in Dallas, his phone is tapped. Oh, God. <laughs> his phone was tapped. So uh. now so now, <laughs> so now, we show up in the morning. <laughs> I'm looking at this guy. Like, uh, oh, not, you the, fool. not the smartest You, criminal, idiot. Huh? you idiot. <laughs> No, no. Well-dressed, intelligent guy. He's a professional. He's, you know. He's a well-to-do Mexican guy. He's not a he's not a grub. You know, I mean, these people are driving Mercedes cars, right? And and they're they're elegant. He's not, he's not, you know, he's not a scumbag dope dealer. He's right. a businessman dope dealer. Right. So anyway. <laughs> and the FBI says, Where's the goddamn phone? Where's the goddamn phone? And he goes, Well, after I made the phone call, you know, we we're coming out of the <laughs> <laughs> He, he apparently had bought it on uh, up by Mountwood at the Walmart on Mountwood <clears throat> and uh, three seventy five. Okay, he says we're driving uh, west on Mountwood and I crashed it on the street. He goes, "You go with me. We're gonna go find that phone right now." Right. So now they take him back in custody. Now he is in custody. They can't do the thirty five kilo deal because he's been compromised because the bad guys know that he's in FBI custody. So if they start making phone calls, the other side, you know, the guys who are going to deliver the 35 kilos may know this and set up their own trap and start shooting. Uh But they now know to be a snitch. So the whole deal is off. (laughs) Here's the best part. (laughs) Remember, I got 15,000 the night before. The guy's father is there. The guy's father was with him, and so was his wife. You know, a pretty elegant lady. Excuse me. And the wife turns to me and goes, this is all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting another lawyer. <laughs> go, okay.
0: okay, but I'm keeping the 15 Gs.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They never said anything <laughs> about the money. So I went, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's an example of uh, an informant stepping on lower his dick, and and it's
0: uh, <laughs> I love that expression. <laughs> I'm gonna start using that.
1: Uh, I'm
0: gonna start using that.
1: Yeah, it's a good it, expression. It's it's a military expression, okay? You know, from my <laughs> military days, <laughs> and, and that's what happened to the guy. You know, I I they went and got another lawyer. I don't. In my you know, my wife said, "Well, what happened to the guy?" I go, "I don't know." Well, why don't you? Not my client anymore. I don't. I don't have time to go look.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't have time to go. Hey, what happened to that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever happened to him happened to him. Right. It's no business of mine. Yeah, I agree. You know, you were I'm not in it anymore.
0: Right. Right. So that's it.
1: You know, I have too much other stuff to worry about than to what happened to a guy that just fired me because, <laughs> you know, because he made the probably the biggest mistake in his life. Sheesh! So in the
0: blacklist, there's a in, in the later seasons, there's oh a,
1: I know oh yeah the blacklist I like that program James Spader
0: his name is Raymond Reddington the character yeah yeah Reddington. I
1: like Raymond Reddington except it gets too off the wall yeah it
0: gets a little it gets a little crazy yeah, yeah. But, you know. but you need those theatrics I think to keep people engaged I, I I like it there's just some fighting scenes I you know my suspension of disbelief like if it you know if some guy's slain slaying a dragon. -hmm. I can, I can, I have enough suspension of disbelief for that. But like a bullshit uh, fight, you need to get that match closer. You're not really lighting it. Yeah. Uh, But like a a bullshit fight, like like a bullshit fight scene that that just I I I don't like that. Uh, Like when people like in those kung fu movies where they kick somebody and they go flying across the room and they're doing acrobats in the middle of the air while fighting and throwing spinning kicks and all this shit. I'm like no, like that's I I don't have the patience for that. That's why I like John Wick because all of John Wick's martial arts pretty legit
1: yeah he's uh and, and, and his, and his, and his firearm yeah
0: his firearm handling is is excellent is
1: is, is, very you know, good general. very good
0: almost as good as me <laughs> maybe better <laughs> no he's really good I right? doubt he, it, you he, know. He, he would he would kick my but, ass on you know, shooting range
1: yeah it's all cur- well obviously we all know it's choreographed and, and stuff like that you know
0: but <laughs> you can still tell when somebody is a real martial artist and knows how to fight versus when somebody's just acting When somebody just learned the choreography for the movie, but has not actually practiced it. You could just tell, by the way, somebody turns their shoulder when they throw a punch. Yeah. Or turns their hip when they throw a kick or, you know.
1: Well, he's apparently, at one time when I was a kid, I did a Colgate. Try
0: try to get this a little closer to you.
1: One time when I was a kid, I'm talking in my 20s, uh, I did a Colgate commercial. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was a karate commercial. I got paid a thousand dollars. And it was break the invisible shield. And I was the guy that broke the invisible shield, you know, with finally I, I run up and boom, I hit this thing and it doesn't break. But I was hired and another guy was hired. He's a little bit older than me. And of course I was the good guy in in the in the choreography. But he and I choreographed the fight in about 15 minutes. You know what? We must have done 30, 40 takes by the time, you know, I I really earned (laughs) those (laughs) $1,000. We were both exhausted at the end of it. And we were both smooth. We were both, you know, it looked like a real karate fight, Uh, which real fights never look like. Yeah. Except when I I had one real karate fight, street fight, where it was, it just went perfectly. What and happened? I, well, it was kind of my fault, of course, but, but what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I'd been trained we finished training. There were three black belts. Two of them had been students of mine for years, and we were going to meet our wives at a bar you know, uh, have some drinks and some snacks or whatever. And we were walking down the street, and there was a guy with a broken-down car. The hood was up, and smoke was coming out of it. And I was a jackass. I really was. This is a funny story, man. And I was being a jackass, so I went and stood in front of the car, and I gave it the last rites laughing. Well, this guy looked at me, and then I went back. He looked at me. And he went into a rage, and so he just came running straight at me. He threw a big old punch. Well, he was having a bad day, huh? He was having a bad day. Wait, wait! I'll tell you how bad it was. <laughs> huh? I did a perfect knife hand block, perfect. You know, in a, almost in a classical stand, lock punch. You know, and then, and then a front kick, and the guy falls down.
0: Front I, kick to the face.
1: No, no, I got him in the midst. I got him. No, 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 just mid-body, a little okay. lower, right?
0: Okay.
1: You know, I, mean, I hit the breadbasket. He he starts to go down. I spun around. There's people across the street saying, Hey, what's up? We're gonna call the police. And I grab this guy and I get my arm, I get my thumb under his armpit, and I squeeze his pectoral muscle and I go, wave at him and tell him we're just playing, or I'm gonna rip your chest off. Yeah. <laughs> And the poor guy waves his arm at the people, <laughs> you know. And and then, <laughs> and then he goes. Here is the funny part: when he charged us, there is three black belts standing facing this. <laughs> I'm guy. Push
0: this little guy. You are fading out. So yeah, gonna... there is
1: there were three black belts yeah. facing this guy, uh-huh. and he charged me right. And by two, and, and Bob Newman and Dennis Sitsir, they go, Sensei. Like, (laughs) go for it. (laughs) I mean, there was Sensei. The guy came big over, looping, right? Easy block, easy punch. You know, he was wide open.
0: He doesn't know what he's doing. He just... Yeah, and I
1: I wasn't trying to hurt him.
0: He was just just frustrated. His car was broken down and ran into a a martial artist.
1: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It gets better. So now I got this guy. What am I going to do with him? He says, oh, he says, my ring, my ring. I apparently had blocked him so well, and I hit him perfect, that a ring, it was a little oversized, flew off his finger. And it was an expensive ring. Hmm. So now this guy's, my ring, my ring. Where's my ring? So there we are. I'm holding this guy up. Bob and Dennis are looking on, on the floor on the grass. It's a Chicago sidewalk, right, with a sidewalk and a patch of grass over here. We're we're looking around for the guy's ring. We found his ring, right? I gave him his ring. (laughs) And then I drag him into the bar with me, with our wives. And we walk in, they go, what's up? I said, you know, get this guy a drink. I sit him down. And Bob and Dennis asked What's up? Why? Why are you bringing him with? I said I'm not leaving him out there. We're sitting here with our wives. He knows where we're at. This guy ain't gonna run home and get a shotgun and come back. Smart. I'm keeping him. Either you
0: guys would have had to go home, or you would have had to keep an eye on him.
1: I'm, I'm keeping him.
0: So I said. <laughs> I
1: now, sit, okay. Well, all right. I got. I sit him down the bar. Are you okay? Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize to him. I said, man, I, you know, he said, this is the worst day of my life. I go, what's that? He goes, I lost my job. My girlfriend broke up with me. My car caught on fire. And then I jumped three oh, black belts. Christ. My hand to God.
0: Oh, my God.
1: My hand to God. That is
0: pretty bad. <laughs> when well, you say That's the shit. guy had a bad day, uh, That's how bad of a day can a guy have, right? Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Lost my job. Girlfriend broke up with me, my good, and I jumped three black belts. I go, where do you live, man? So we actually went outside and pushed his car off the roadway, right? And and got it parked. And then I told Bob and Dennis and the ladies, I'll be right back. I'm driving this guy home. Mm -hmm. And they went, well, why are you driving him home? I said, I don't want him to go home. Get a shotgun and come back. Yeah. So I gave my ride home. I knocked on his door. His father answered, and said, "What's going on?" I said, "Well, you know, I brought your son home," and I told him the story, without laughing. And then his father said, "Thank you for bringing him home." I go, "Keep him home. If he walks back into that bar, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot him." Because, of course, I was packing illegally, but I was packing. Right? I had a 357 on me. <laughs> yeah. Right? And and he said, well, thank you very much. I said, here's where the car is. You can pick it up tomorrow morning. And I apologized to the guy, you know, and I gave him a card, you know. Thank you very much. And that was the end of it. But that's, you know, that's a bad day.
0: Man, I thought I was having a bad day because breakfast at the end of the mountain gods sucked.
1: Well, what do you expect <laughs> you know the Mount Guts. I, yeah. I haven't
0: been to Rio so in years. I went yeah. there uh, yesterday, just one night. Came back uh, earlier today,
1: and it's kind of a chintzy place. It's,
0: it's gone down. I mean, it was never it was never the Four Seasons,
1: but well, I was there the week before on a CLE, yeah. And you know, I I went to that Wendell's or what's yeah. That I
0: had dinner there last night.
1: Uh, I the, the dinner I had there was excellent, but you know the the morning food is not you know what a what anybody. <laughs> <laughs> what? What anybody who isn't a local should be eating?
0: Yeah, I just I looked at those eggs and I just knew it's it's not for me.
1: So I just I got a
0: cup of coffee, which was also
1: terrible for what it's worth, and left it that. I had a kind of an interesting experience. I've I've got a case from up there, and I try to find the place. And I was supposed to have a uh, the my client's niece was supposed to take me to the crime scene, and uh, I had the address. And uh, she didn't show up, so I was running. You know, as you go up seventy, you see all those beautiful pine trees and those beautiful mountains. Is that your
0: wife calling? Are we? Is it going to be just like last time? She's going to call every five minutes. Was, Jesus! Oh my
1: goodness, babe!
0: Every time we do a podcast, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm here. Ken's wife calls every twenty. I'll to call you when I'm done to make sure he's here. Love you, but not with
1: his girlfriend. No, she's hiking. She's up in the mountains. She's, she's keeping me appraised of the progress. That she's making. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I meant to call her and say, don't call me this time. Anyway, she's a hell of a mountaineer, man. She's got more courage than I do. Some of the places she climbs, uh, I get, you know, I see those videos that she takes, and I just go, oh, my God. You know, I'm gonna to have to buy a new wife someday, you know, or something. <laughs> she scares the shit out of me, you know. I'd go, Jesus Christ, you know, woman, you know, how do you? She's like a mountain goat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's the, she's on places where I'm going. Where she she goes to places mountain goats wouldn't go. <laughs>
0: um, I wanted to ask you about. I forgot actually. Marbury versus Madison, 1803, a law repugnant to the Constitution is void.
1: Yep. Explain Chief Justice that. Explain Marshall that to people. Took, it up, took it up on himself. And he got away with it. You know?
0: What, what, I, I'm not familiar with the incident. Well, you know,
1: Marbury versus Madison basically said the Supreme Court is the governmental body that determines what is, and what is not constitutional. Yeah. And we were a new nation, and it was the first time that's happened, and everybody went along with it, and that's been the rule ever since. 220 years ago. Yeah, it was a banking case. You know, you and I. Banking? Yeah, it was a banking case. National Bank was a banking case. You know, the facts were, I don't remember them. It's been a long time since 1803. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this is first year law school constitutional law. What what gives the Supreme Court the right to determine what is not, or what is not constitutional? And the case is Marbury v. Madison, 1803. Mm. And it was Chief Justice Marshall, who was the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court at the time, and he basically grabbed a hold of that power. And people looked around and decided, that's fine. That's fine. You know, the, the executive can decide what's constitutional. The legislature can decide what is constitutional. So who's left? You know, the judiciary. And they've had that power ever since. I tell all of our friends, you know, you and I are Second Amendment guys, right? And one of the complaints we always hear in the second amendment community or guys who are pro guns, they're trying to take our rights away from us. And when they say they, it typically means some politician. They don't like, you know, for example, a Republican will say, you know, the Democrats are trying to take my, no, it's not the Democrats, you know, or the Republicans or, or a Democrat would say, you know, uh, the legislature is trying to take up, you know, way, our right to an abortion. But generally speaking, the democratic party is trying
0: to do away with gun ownership and the Republican party is trying to keep gun ownership.
1: Yeah. And the same thing for abortion. Sure. Right. Yeah. You know, who recently decided that abortion was on, you know, abortion bans were constitutional. That was the Supreme court. The same thing with second amendment. You know, and I tell guys, you know, it's not Joe Biden. Who decides what your rights are? It's not your democratic government, your governor. It's not your democratic alderman. It's not your democratic state senator or federal (coughs) or congressman or federal senator. It's the Supreme Court that tells that decides what your rights are. And you and I see on YouTube gun guys. Ah, they're doing this. They're doing that. No, no, it's not they. It's the Supreme Court decides what is constitutional or not. You know, we recently went through the short-barreled rifle.
0: Yeah, where, where they were trying to uh, classify thing. braces as a uh, NFA item requir- Correct. requiring Correct. a tax stamp, which, was, which, which would just make people go through a bunch of paperwork and pay a bunch of bullshit tax <clears> fees <throat> to have the same gun that they already have. Yeah. And the function of the gun is not altered one bit.
1: Correct. But, you know, who decided... That that ban, that ATF ban, was unconstitutional. Not some politicians, the courts did.
0: Now, what would happen if that? I actually haven't kept up with it. Did that pass? What's the latest ruling on that? Do you know? Have you followed up with it?
1: I haven't followed up with it except every once i see a blog that says we won. <laughs> yeah, won. <laughs> you know the pro the pro short-barreled <laughs> rifle guys. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you know, such and such a court ruled in our favor. Okay, well, the cool. the
0: crazy thing is the ATF was trying to pass that law, and the ATF is not an agency that passes law;
1: they are a law enforcement
0: agency. Well, they don't, they, don't
1: they can't make those rules. Correct, it's up to the legislature. Here's how it works: the legislature passes a law, and oftentimes they grant unto administrative agencies like the ATF the power to enforce those rules, but not the power to create new rules. That's basically what all courts have found, and there's if you, if you read gun laws, federal gun laws, you know, uh, nine twenty two, nine twenty three, nine twenty 920, eighteen U.S.C. nine twenty two, et cetera, you know, up to a, I forgot how far it goes, nine twenty four, nine twenty five, nine twenty eight, all sorts of stuff. Uh, the courts decide whether or not it's a constitutional uh prohibition against the pro you know the possession of firearms uh, the latest case law uh, starting with heller said basically you know that a possession of a firearm is an individual right so right. it's an individual right like the right to vote you know it, it and you can't just Take away somebody's individual right by an administrative well, finding.
0: And some people like to quote the second amendment and say a well-regulated militia, that <clears throat> firearms were intended for a well-regulated militia. It's like, okay, well, what is a well-regulated militia? How do we define who's part of a well-regulated militia? Like, Are, are you and I part of the militia?
1: Hopefully we'll never have to be. Yeah. Because you got to get up on Sundays. You know, go meet a bunch of fat guys, you know, in utilities.
0: They won't they won't offer you cigars?
1: Yeah, no, no cigars. You know, a bunch of fat. That's a stupid law. Well, look, the the thing
0: is the thing the thing that bothers me. But the thing that's annoying is they try, and this is like what people just have to push back on because they're passing a law that does not change a single thing in the function of the firearm, the usability, the ownership anything that has to do with that firearm they're passing it just to fucking pass it it's just to let you know that they can't it's just to slowly strip away first it was short barrel rifles and then it was well it was automatics and short barrel rifles i don't know in what order short barrel shotguns suppressors and it's just like one thing at a time they're just going to keep reeling them in because that's how they do it because they can't just come out and, and and try to take everything like hitler did or like Stalin did, or like Mao did, they all confiscated firearms before they committed their atrocities. They can't do that in America. People are, are just like we've seen. Hopefully, we have enough of of a, of a, of, a, of a historical education to resist that. But they will try to slowly just reel in one thing at a time. Well,
1: when you get a when you get until democratic- all you're allowed to
0: have is a fucking single action revolver at the end of the day, or a musket.
1: Well, when you get a democratic administration, they will always try to please their anti-gun base by giving the administrative agencies as much leeway as possible to act against the ownership of firearms. Republicans, you know, stop that. Uh, you don't see that during the Republican administration. You know, it's it's that simple. No, I just hear Beto talking
0: about it all the time.
1: Well, you know, not only that, you're, you're talking about a well-regulated militia, but it's now beyond that, right? because Heller found it's not about a well regulated militia it's about self defense no it's not about self defense it's an individual right period period you have a right to but, own a firearm
0: but isn't the concern that a different a different uh, supreme court may f- have may may arrive at a different finding
1: absolutely absolutely
0: because that's how this group of people interpreted it. Well, they're not going to be there forever. They're going to be new people in the Supreme Court, and they can yeah. interpret it differently. But you know, the fucks.
1: classical case about that is abortion. You know, abortion was legal for 50 years. The Supreme Court changed. Somebody got a case up to the Supreme Court, and they go, no, the states cannot regulate abortion. It's not an individual right anymore.
0: And So what happened with that? When you say it's not an individual right anymore, what does that mean? Is it federally illegal? Is abortion... No, it's not federally, federally
1: legal, but now it's a state matter. Okay. Now the states can dictate, you know, what their abortion laws are going to be, which is going to, which of course it already has, has created a patchwork of laws. You know, and then you get a guy like Tuberville, the senator, who's holding up all the um, the promotions of military officers because military regulations allow women in the military to travel to states where abortion is legal and they will pay their expenses for medical services. The military does. Wow. So Tuberville says, well, I'm holding out on the appointment and of new officers and the, Uh, rank enhancement of new officers until that happens so there's thousands of military officers right now you know stuck in their pay grade because one guy says no I don't you know I'm going this far in abortion what is the military's incentive for doing that for going that extra mile to help
0: these women with abortions
1: well they want to keep them they want to look the military doesn't want pregnant soldiers <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, yeah right.
1: you know, True. first of all, yeah,
0: <laughs> that's that's an obvious one, right? How did I not think of that?
1: You know, uh, <laughs> right? You know, seriously, I mean, I've been going to Beaumont, um, uh, military hospital here, and you know, I often see women in uniform pregnant going there for prenatal care, and so forth and so on, or you know, probably wives of soldiers, though, no. Also, wives of soldiers have that right. Yeah, but you know, a a military personnel uh, can travel outside. Let's say abortion is illegal in Texas, right? Is it illegal period, or is it like first trimester, it, second it, trimester? I really don't know. I really okay. don't know. But yeah, uh, I haven't been pregnant in a long time, so I because
0: <laughs> there's even some guys that are extremely against abortion who say that we should pan- we should ban Plan B pills is by taking a Plan B pill. Even if, like, you just had sex, yeah. The yeah. girl goes down to the pharmacy to They're like, nope, you're you're killing a baby. Well,
1: well the, the, some people are even talking about birth control. They're against birth they control. Birth control yeah, I right. remember. I remember as a kid when birth couldn't there were states where you had no birth control. You couldn't buy a condom.
0: I love the George Carlin joke where he said, don't you think it's odd that most people who are against abortion are people you wouldn't want to fuck in the first place?
1: Or <laughs> who well, we should have been aborted. Or yeah. <laughs> who well, we should have been aborted. You know, you know, sometimes people ask me my what's my position on abortion? I think it should be uh, mandatory. If you don't if you don't have at least a, a high school degree, you know, <laughs> or under the age of 18 and you get pregnant, you should have an abortion because I don't want to pay for your kid. (laughs) You know, three mistakes that kids can make. Early parenthood, jail, or drugs. You know, and in early parenthood... And talk about profound and long-lasting consequences. Of all those three things. Yes. You know, it's... uh, and it's a and here's the here's the thing most european countries can put these things to a majority vote when ireland legalized divorce and subsequently legalized abortion they did it by all irish people voting on it mm. we don't have that system those that determine what our rights are It's not the general population. We don't put it to a general vote. We end up going to a Supreme Court. You know, so the right to own firearms. If we had a national vote, how would it come out? You know, the right to an abortion, which are the two big things, you know, of each party. both pro and against. You know, if we put those to a national vote, how would it come out? It's a tough one. The firearm thing, for example.
0: I can relate to that. I Like, I, I don't know if, let's say we took a majority vote. Let's say there was an app, whatever. Everybody went in, casted a vote, have firearms or don't have firearms. And the majority said, get rid of firearms. Then I would think, and I'm sure you would think, and every gun owner would think, well, what's going to happen to all my firearms? Do I now have to just go turn them in? Are they going to come to my house and search my house and confiscate my firearms? Are they going to pay me for them? Because I've spent a fortune on them. I mean... I don't have a whole lot of guns, not by not by my estimation. But there are people with hundreds of thousands, million dollar collections. What do you do? H- how do you reimburse them? How do you, assuming we, and that's just the 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 financial part of the problem. Then there's the part of the problem which is taking away our ability to defend ourselves. Well, that's the gist of it. You know, that's why it's an individual but, right. Yeah, but the what's the other what's the alternative? If people aren't voting on the issues, then a government is going to tell you what's going to happen, and that's, that's
1: it. That's well, and that's you know, worse. we have representative government. We don't get to vote on every issue of of major import. You know, right? Our representatives vote for us, and and we are supposed well, we to vote, vote for our representatives, for, or right. are
0: supposed to. But most people really only vote in the presidential election. They don't vote at local level, which affects th- those policies. The local policies affect. Your life on a day-to-day basis far more than who's
1: in the White House. I agree. You know, and look, you know, when when people start talking about President Biden, President Trump. It, it, it well, might, President
0: it, Biden doesn't know what planet he's on. He doesn't even, he can't even find his way off the stage. No, I disagree. He turns left, him. he turns right, he shakes hands with people who aren't there, he stumbles on his words, they ask him a question, he answers with something completely different. I mean, come on. You watch the guy's interviews. He's not not there. He's not there. And so does Trump. Neither one of them. That's not true. That's not true. There's no, I, I, I watched both of them when they give press conferences, et cetera. Trump has been touring. He's been, you know, state to state and he's going to like doing two, three hour um, rallies uh, rallies and, and, and he's,
1: he's talking just fine. Not the stuff I've watched. And I I don't disagree with you about Biden. You know,
0: I'll tell you, I'll tell you, let's get into this. I'll tell you one thing that Trump did that I thought was good. And uh, this ties into the major issue that you came in here to talk about today, which is Israel and Hamas, the uh, Abraham Accords, Abrahamic Accords that Trump initiated in uh, 2020 to try to unite the middle east and israel or maybe not unite them but to get them to,
1: Stop shooting agree, to, each to other. agree
0: to disagree and, yeah. and and live in peace and harmony it was already working between the uae bahrain israel saudi arabia was about to get on board and that's what some people think the this attack is about is to prevent the the setting aside of differences between saudi arabia and israel but we're not we can get into we can get into those details afterwards, but you seem to think that Hamas really fucked up in their attack on Israel. I do. What's your take on that?
1: I'm seventy six years old. I've been watching. Uh, I've been wa- I've been politically aware since age twelve. Um, you know, dinner time discussions at home. Reading Time Magazine when I was a kid, um, being generally informed. I've been watching this go back and forth. I remember the Six Day War. I uh, remember. I remember. I remember in. I, remember in 90, I was supposed to get out in February '68. Uh, I was in Vietnam in June of '67, and I remember thinking, "Shit, I might not get out," you know, because you know what's happening in the Middle East you know i think it was egypt and some other arab arabic states or muslim states that you know attacked israel hamas the P, the palestinians well let me go back a little bit i remember when israel had the moral high ground all right because of all the arabic countries all the Muslim countries ganging up on it. And Israel was the victim. After Israel became successful in establishing itself and setting up Mm self-defense, it began to treat the Palestinians, the only word I can think of it is apartheid, you know? Second-class citizens locked up in your own place. And to some degree, Israelis... We're doing so for self-defense purposes because there's always been an element in the Palestinian society that refuses to admit defeat Mm -hmm. to Israel. And they do crazy shit, you know, to do that. Um, You know, the 1972 Olympic kidnappings and murder of the Israeli athletes, all these things really put Israel on the moral high ground. Over the years, when Israel became more successful, it began to oppress the Palestinians. There's no other word for it. And you can't blame the Palestinians for acting out. How do you think Israel oppressed them? Well, they kept them locked up. They basically made them into second-class citizens. You know, they kept them locked up. So I'm not too good on the conflict
0: but doesn't each group have their own geography there there's there's a line this is israel this is palestine correct so and in palestine palestinians are living and doing their thing and in israel israelis are living and doing their thing so how are how is israel oppressing palestine are you saying that they're keeping them confined to a certain geographic geographical area
1: that's a strip in the golden heights
0: so but, but then the argument becomes who has the right to that land,
1: to that that, part not of the so area. much, not so much that you know, but but they're not integrated into Israeli society. They're not, you know, they they're, they don't se- need to be. And I don't know if it can
0: be done. I mean in Lebanon, we in Lebanon we we drink Iraq, for example. We have our we make our own beer. There's a Lebanese beer. you know, like we don't have any problems with alcohol, but in Saudi Arabia they do. So our societies are not integrated either. So what's the issue? You can be you can be you don't have to be integrated as long
1: as you don't attack each other. Correct. 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 Now what I'm trying to say is, you know, Hamas really screwed up. That's the part I want to get to. Why did they screw up? Well, you know, a surprise attack on Israel where you start, you know, sending rockets over. And, and here's how they screwed up. They knew the inevitable backlash. They knew, or if they didn't know, what a bunch of fools. They knew that by initiating a brutal war against Israel, a a barbaric attack on Israel, they didn't go after Israeli armed forces. They went after Israeli civilians. They killed women and children. Now, what more enrages any society than to have its citizens murdered and brutally attacked, you know? Uh, women raped, children killed. And I've seen that. I've I've fought in wars like that. Yeah. When I fought in Angola, you know, and... and
0: Angola? I didn't know you went to Angola. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute.
1: Yeah. Well, I fought for the Portuguese, you know, during the War of Liberation. Um, but the atrocities committed were unpardonable, and it was a it was a war that the group I led we took no prisoners. We didn't, you know. I've walked into villages and seen slaughtered women and children. Yeah, all with all with axes and, and machetes. Sheesh. And when you catch the guys who did that, there's no trial. Just execution. Absolutely. So in in the anger and the rage that it creates in you. And here's what I think is Israel has got to destroy Hamas. Period. Without creating a lot of damage to um Palestinian non-combatants. Very difficult to do. Right. Very difficult to do. And it it's incumbent upon a professional army to safeguard as much as possible the lives and the well-being of innocent civilians. Because if not, you're just creating another generation that hates you. <clears throat> and it's inevitable. The death of innocent civilians... On both sides, you know, creates a rage that it's in the you can't extinguish it. Right. You know, and how long does that go on? So they do have to destroy Hamas. They have to destroy not only the military faction of it, but the uh, political faction. And here's the other thing: how stupid is Hamas? Let me let me go back into history. Okay, There's a great book called The History of Warfare okay. by a guy named John Keegan who taught at Amherst, the British Military Academy. Okay. And, and, and Keegan says about before we had fixed armies, before we had organized military defenses and attacks, It was the job of your society, of your family, to stop you from attacking others. If I have a family, and I have 10 sons, and I own 500 acres, and I'm a farmer, I don't want any of my sons to go to the other farmer and steal his cattle or rape his daughter or murder his cousin. You know why? Why? Because I know they're coming back. Right. Because if my kid goes over and he steals a cow, I know that guy's 10 cousins are going to show up looking for vengeance. So I educate my kid, don't go stealing. Don't go doing this. Don't go doing that. You know why? Because the retaliation will bring woe upon your family, our family. That's where Hamas screwed up. They propose, or they pretend, or they, they, what's the word I'm looking for? They're saying they're acting on behalf of the Palestinian uh, community. But the way to, by initiating an attack, that you know where there's going to be great retaliation, you're putting your own people in danger. Why don't the people in Palestine pull the plug on Hamas? Yes, our living conditions can be miserable. Maybe they can't. Well, maybe they can't. I agree I, I with you. I don't think they have the power to overtake Hamas. The Palestinians. Yeah. Um, do they have a governing body? It's The Palestinian Authority?
0: Are they in, more powerful than
1: Hamas? I mean, I don't know. Well, can they stop them? You know, that's the other part. It's like sometimes sometimes there's
0: armies that form within countries that are more powerful than the army of that country. I don't know if that's the case here. I'm not educated yeah, on the matter, yeah.
1: but I'm just wondering. But that's the tragedy of it, you know. If if
0: like Palestinian people, they're not what are they armed with? I mean, they used to throw rocks at, at Israeli soldiers when
1: In tanks, at tanks. At yeah. T- yeah, they
0: throw rocks at tanks, right? So if they're armed with rocks and Hamas is armed with AKs. Then they're not going to get very far, are they?
1: You mean if if,
0: if they yeah. try to throw out Hamas, they're not going to be able to. You need they need fire firepower to be able to do that. I, I'm just again, I'm just
1: no, no, no. I'm guessing. And, I don't know. And, and that's the inevitable tragedy of it. Uh uh-huh. You know that we're watching the death of 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 innocent civilians on both sides of this fight
0: for sure. But now you seem to think you put out a Facebook post where you said. Something to the effects of if Israel destroys them completely because of what they've done, they, I think you said, like the world would understand, like they wouldn't really be blamed for it, even if they killed innocents in the process. Uh, I'm not, I don't remember your exact wording. I can look it up. No, no, no.
1: See, that's the whole thing. Let me look it up so we can get the exact wording. The death of innocents, the death of innocents is is what causes the anger, what causes the world to turn against you. You know, and, and we're kind of, they're kind of in a contest right now to see who can be the most victimized in terms of civilian and innocent in death. Uh, you know, the bombing of the, the bombing of the hospital, for example.
0: So, so, okay, this is what you were just talking about right now with uh, uh, the author, John Keegan. And, If my son stole the neighbor's cow or daughter or hoard of gold, then that neighbor and his ten cousins would come to our house and exact revenge. So I would do my best to teach my son not to do things that would put the rest of us in jeopardy. This is in our genes, and I suspect provably the best explanation for the Ten Commandments. When Orestes kills his mother and her lover to avenge the death of his father, Agamemnon... Orestes Orestes, Orestes is put on trial by 12 gods, found guilty but not punished as long as in the future he allows organized society to deal with matters of vindictive justice. Orestes illustrated the concept of state administration of justice as opposed to personal justice. That's a really long post, so I'm going to try to find the part. The vindictive attraction Hamas draws upon itself and the people it purports to protect is something not seen since World War II and maybe for centuries before that like Russia attacking Germany from the east and the allies from the west, both intent on total destruction of a brutal, bloodthirsty enemy. By attacking Israel in such a brutal manner, Hamas has assured not only the necessity of its own total destruction, but the collateral destruction of many of their own people. Additionally, Hamas has given Israel the moral high ground again as well what will probably be a universal shoulder shrug of inevitability when innocent Palestinians are rolled over by Israel's justifiable thirst for vengeance. So that's the the point that I was trying to make. You think Hamas has given Israel the moral high ground again as well, what will probably be a universal shoulder shrug. So you don't think the universe is going to care if Israel rolls over innocent Palestinians in response to the attacks.
1: Oh, I think the, I think the world will care. Well, they'll just shrug it off. Yes. They'll They'll care, but they'll say, well. Hamas started it. Right. Hamas started it, you know? So, and and we're all, you know, we're all saddened, you know, by, by. Yeah, the last thing we need is more war. Fucking hell. By, you know, this conflict you know, because there's innocent people dying on both sides, and nothing. in in now, you know, you see, for example, people pro-Palestine, you know, uh, having a, you know, what uh, if manifestaciones, you know, uh, not rallies, but uh, what do they call it? Uh, protests, you know, against uh, against Israel against the United States for helping Israel. And, and, uh, and you also have Israelis, you know, the, the Jewish community throughout the world, yeah. you know, saying, you know, thank you, United States, for helping us. It, it, and it's it's really tragic. I mean, it's that's the definition of a tragedy, you know, that poor people are dying, you know, innocent people are dying. Sure. And it happens in every war. But who did you ultimately blame for that? The guy that started it. You know, when we destroyed Dresden, we killed 200,000 people in one night with the firebombing of Dresden during World War II.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of people.
1: Yeah, that's more people than here. You know, when Genghis Khan came up over the, you know what, Genghis Khan, I forgot he killed like 25% of the people in the world or something like that. Yeah, they cha- they say he changed the carbon footprint of earth.
0: Yeah. And one in 3 uh men, one in 3 children from uh where where was he? Mongolia. From that part of the world is linked, oh, is, is linked link, linked to him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, genetically. <laughs> it's just fucking crazy. Well, you know, you, <laughs> how do you get chicks, you know, conquer the world? Sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And it's never enough because when you're a conqueror, you just keep conquering. That's just that's just yeah. what he does. I mean, he just kept going. Same with Alexander; he just kept going. Yeah, they didn't have to. At at a certain point, they could have said, "You know what? We've we've done enough. We've got all this land, and all this wealth, and all this glory. We're done." But nope, they just keep going because that's just what they're born to do. It's like Elon Musk,
1: and that's and that's what you know. That brings me back to the issue of firearms. Uh huh firearms democrats democratized self defense
0: okay democratized self defense yeah i think we've talked about this before but yeah. remi- remind me what do you mean by that the
1: average man can now defend himself uh-huh you don't need the state to defend you how many ar15s are there in the united states probably 100 million okay do you think anybody's going to attack us with 100 million ar's
0: Well, it's no, but, but it's not because of the ARs. I don't think anybody's going to attack us because we're surrounded by ocean on the two coasts. We've got Canada up top. They ain't attacking anybody and there's only 39 million of them and they barely have any guns and they have their, uh, prime minister, Twadeau, who's, uh, um, trying to disarm them further. And then in the South, there's Mexico, and they've got their own problems to deal with. They're, they're trying to cross over here. They want to join us. They don't want to attack us. And for people, for somebody to cross an ocean and attack us, they would have to get through our Air Force, our Coast Guard, our Navy, our the, the, what else? I agree. Everybody. So I, I, I don't see that it's happening.
1: Highly unlikely. Right. Highly unlikely. Yeah. You know, but remember, we have American hom- uh, homogeny throughout the world. We basically rule the oceans. We basically rule the skies. Do you do you need this lighter? Yeah, I think so. Those matches are kind of shitty. Yeah, I'm gonna have to buy you some matches, man.
0: <laughs> they gave me some at the cigar shop. They're like, Oh, you know, you can get a box of matches every time you buy cigars. I'm like, that's great. And then I, I threw them away. They were so bad. These are actually better. But ultimately <laughs> you need a good lighter. I think matches just don't work that well. But uh
1: um, and you know who started it? You know, you punch me twice in the face. You know, and I, I break your jaw and and your sternum. You know who's 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 to blame? You or me? You know, right? Yeah, no, I get that. It's.
0: I wonder how it's going to play out. I thought it'd be a little bit more blown up by now. I mean, there was the initial attack. Israel seems to be not just they're not just brutally responding Uh,
1: Um, well that's a professional army a professional army doesn't just brutally respond a professional army goes after the combatants inevitably you're going to kill civilians right you know now if if you're hamas and i mean what were they thinking what did they think was going to happen I don't know. I
0: mean, I've heard several people talk about this issue, and they've got different views. And I guess uh, on Wednesday, Preston Brown tied it to Iran somehow. I forgot his explanation, but he tied it to, to Iran. I don't remember. Um, I don't know. I mean, th- th- that issue hurts my head. Let me ask you this: I don't know how much. I mean, you're you're more well read on history than I am. So, who do you think has the right to that region? Because isn't isn't that what all the conflict is about? Palestinians want Jerusalem. The Israelis want Jerusalem. The Christians, I think, have certainly have some right to Jerusalem. I think it's a shared holy, holy land. So, who's like, who does that land belong to? Would
1: you say whoever's got the guns?
0: Yeah, no, but I mean,
1: outside of and it's been that way throughout history. But like the Crusades.
0: I don't know much about
1: the Crusades at all. It's whoever owned it. You know, whoever won the last battle owns Jerusalem. What was the Crusades? Oh, there were, were, I forgot how many there were. There were at least five. And that was
0: uh, in the year, what, like 800, 900 No, no,
1: I I think it started in the ten hundred. year 1000. I'm not Uh, sure. I read, you know, but it went over there. And the Crusades was an interesting thing. It was a way of getting rid of uh, excess nobility. How so? Well, you know what primogeniture is? Nope. It is that the oldest son inherits everything.
0: Uh, that's great, except I don't have much to inherit.
1: Yeah. yeah me, ditto.
0: <laughs> My dad had property in Lebanon, and, well, shit, the currency is pretty much worthless now. So even if I sold all the, all that land in Lebanon, I'd have enough to buy a cigar and maybe a cup of whiskey. <laughs>
1: My grandfather inherited.
0: Sorry, can just just talking to the mic because my I grandfather
1: my grandfather inherited a farm in Spain. Okay, he was the oldest. It went to my father, and it should have gone to me. But you know, what do I want with a farm in Spain? I don't know. In our studios, I don't nothing. And so you your know, wife could go hiking there yeah i guess <laughs> yeah and there's a lot of mountains it's a mountainous region it's in northern spain in asturias and so i let my brothers and sisters have it i you know my younger brother went up there you know how do we deviate up i said you guys keep it you know i'm not interested in it but what was happening was that large estates were an economic model mm-hmm. And so if you divide, if you have three sons and you divide your state, you know, you've divided, you've, you've made three out of one. And they're not economically viable. So what do you do with your second son? Well, he becomes a bishop. What do you do with your third son? Well, shit, you send him off to the Crusades. You know, go build a state in the Holy Land. Go find your own land create your own fiefdom. And it was about creating fiefdoms. You know, so Pope, whatever his name was, I think, I don't know if it was whatever, I think it might have been Pius or something. He called upon the European nobility to go liberate the land. Now, at that time, it was true that pilgrims to Jerusalem were being waylaid on the road to Jerusalem. They were being captured and enslaved. They weren't allowed freedom, the free passage to worship in the holiest city in the world, you know? Mm. And so they used that as a pretext to go over. And when they first went over, they conquered a lot of land. Then the Muslims conquered it back. Then the Christians conquered it again. And And it kept going back and forth until we finally abandoned it you know but one of the things interesting things about you know osama bin laden he kept dealing with the west he kept calling us crusaders he kept going back to that historical note because we had troops in saudi arabia that was his big deal
0: so wasn't he of saudi arabian descent
1: yeah he's a saudi he's an arab he's He's a Saudi.
0: He was hiding in uh, Pakistan or Afghanistan. Afghanistan. But he's, Saudi- but he's a Saudi. Yeah. I, I
1: mean, he was, right. you know.
0: Some say he's still alive. Some people think he's living in New York, secretly married to Whitney Houston. Driving a cab, right? Uh, no, they're just eating hot dogs. <laughs>
1: Halal hot dogs.
0: (laughs) Did you ever see when he said that he was uh, madly in love with Whitney Houston that she's the one woman he would do anything to marry?
1: Whitney Houston? Yeah.
0: Well, who wouldn't? (laughs) I mean, yeah, but imagine being Whitney Houston (laughs) and the world's biggest terrorist is madly in love with you. She'd be like, shit. So I, I looked up uh, the Crusades just so we can get a get a proper uh, idea of uh, the the time frame and all that. So it says, spanning most of the, mi- the spanning most of the High Middle Ages, ten fifty to thirteen hundred A.D. A, seri- a series of military expeditions called the Crusades was launched from Christian Europe against the peoples of the Near East, sparked by a zeal to rid the Holy Lands of infidels, meaning Muslims primarily. Only the first crusade achieved any real or lasting success, whatever you can call success in this case.
1: Yeah, they conquered land. Uh-huh. And then it got reconquered. So but what I asked you
0: a minute ago about Israel and Palestine is like, people are always arguing, do Palestinians have a right to live there historically? Or is that land historically for the Jewish people? Or does that
1: not they, matter they to you? you don't think in the, those terms. They were right? already there when the Jews. Well, you know, that was that was British Palestine.
0: Correct. The Brits is essentially established Palestine. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't called Palestine until what, like, like fifty years ago.
1: Well, no, no, no. Like, it they was, were
0: there were people living there under Jew under British law, but the Israelis is that, still existed, and then they started migrating in greater numbers from Europe.
1: You mean the Jews? Would it be migrating or immigrating? Migrating,
0: I suppose. The Jews from from Europe,
1: yeah. After World War Two, but Palestine was established after World War One. It was part of breaking up the Turkish uh-huh. Empire. Uh-huh.
0: But Israel was still a country. Palestine, however, wasn't. Is no, not, is no, Israel
1: did not become a country until 1948.
0: See, yeah, it's so confusing. Like, I've I've done research, try to figure out after what the hell's War, going War on with II, that whole issue, after, and I
1: can't figure it after out. After World War II, I love that the ash. Jews started going to it, to what is now called Israel, Uh-huh. and say this is our land. We were here two thousand years ago, but
0: there but there was already Jewish. People they, there.
1: Yeah, what do? Right, right. There's always been Jews there, right? But you know, but it wasn't a home. For the Jews. <laughs> but if they live there, how is it not their home? No, no. What I'm saying is <laughs> worldwide. Now, when
0: they started going there after World War II, fact is a lot of Palestinians were pushed out of their homes.
1: Yeah, yeah. They they muscled their way in. Yeah. You know, and the Palestinians rightfully resented it. Uh-huh. You know, hey, we're here too. You know, just because we're not Jewish and we don't get to be second we don't have we don't get to be second class citizens. Fucking I. And, and and you know, and where were the Jews going to go? You know, there's a great old there's a great story about Golda Meir, and and Joe Biden told it. Uh, he said, you know, we have nowhere else to go. You know what our secret weapon is? We have nowhere else to go, mm-hmm. because the Jews have been so discriminated against throughout history. You know, so now they finally have a home state. Now they feel safe. Now they feel that they can be among their own people and their own culture and their own traditions. You know, and that's very important in Jewish life. You know, it's it, it's a home state of it's the home of of the Jews. And and they wanted they wanted it back and they took it back. Well what do you do with the people living there?
0: Uh, well, I mean that's why there's conflict,
1: right? You know, it I, sucks. Mean, I hope uh, it just resolves imagine with as, this. As, few imagine as possible. Imagine if Mexico took Mexico said Texas is ours.
0: <laughs> that's true, and historically it was. I uh, mean, I, I, but, you know, but but it always depends on how what historical period you examine. That's uh, what it comes down I to. I agree with you. At a certain point, it was belonged to these people, but before that it belonged to a different people, and before that it belonged to a different people. So, like how far back do we take it?
1: it's a great question. But you know, possession is nine tenths of the law, right? And so. That's why I don't leave my stuff at people's houses anymore. (laughs) Good move. Yeah. It's hard to get those shoes back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to get your underwear from. Or or your Benelli. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. What do you
0: think of uh, that fight we watched earlier? I mean, we didn't see the whole fight. It was, um, we were watching the, it was the Volkan, Alexander Volkanovsky versus, um, who did he fight? It wasn't Hamzat. That was, he fought Usman, the other guy from Dagestan. Um, Machaev, I think. What Do you watch UFC? I mean, you're a a lifelong martial martial artist. What do you like to watch martial arts-wise, fight-wise, combat sports?
1: Uh... Look, martial arts to me are street fighters. Anything that's not good, I would this- say
0: that's the opposite of martial arts. I would say that those that would be gangsters, and then you have no. martial artists, no. or you have fighters, and then you have martial artists. Martial artists to me are people who wear who wear gis and bow before they fight, before they beat the shit out of each other, or right. or, okay. or in some cases pretend to beat the shit out of each other. But fighters
1: fight. And I think all martial arts should be about fighting, actual fighting.
0: There's only there's few that but you, are, can't, like, you th- can't. I think
1: practice that as a sport. What's that? You cannot that's practice fun. real fighting as a sport. Well, that's what sparring is.
0: <sighs> yes and no. Are, are you talking about like street fighting, like no rules at all? Correct. Anything goes. Sure. Yeah, that's Correct.
1: that's not a sport, right?
0: Correct. I mean, there, there there, are underground fights where anything goes. Well,
1: I've, I've, I've fought a bunch of those at age 28, 29, and 30. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I've, I've got How'd about 50 go? fights. I never lost. I always. So, is it like
0: I, bare knuckle? Yeah, yeah, Just, bare knuckle. Oh, people, we wore, people would bet on you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? yeah. <laughs> how did, how did, how did, tell me about it? I made a shitload
1: that. of money. <laughs> I made a shit, And not only that, I really wanted to try out my karate, you know, and, and the experience I had in judo in 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 a real you know form in, it's something you know after a while i got i felt bad about hurting people you know
0: but they're signing up for it they're adults they're signing up for it they're trying to hurt you too mm-hmm. you're each trying to make a paycheck why would you feel bad but why
1: am i i, I nevertheless i felt bad about i'll, I'll tell you an interesting thing who knew thing. you had such a soft spot i do uh i do i you know at one time i remember I, I you know i never jumped up and down or anything a guy was down i would you know okay fine we're done and i never you know walked around oh, look at me and shit like that yeah uh I, when i began well
0: it's different because it wasn't on pay-per-view if it's on pay-per-view you got to do that
1: that's why i wouldn't well i felt i felt i felt I felt like I was not being true to my martial art by doing it in public. See, there you go. That's martial arts. For it's the all about bowing and respect the and all this stuff. Yeah, and I never of, understood. Of assholes,
0: I never un- understood the respect aspect of it. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I respect this guy so much that I'm going to try to beat the shit out of him.
1: Well, that's uh, you know that's an Oriental thing, and that came in which we've adopted to some degree. You know the the bowing, the this or that. I don't
0: like any of that stuff.
1: I don't like the bow. I don't like the belting system. Well, that's, uh,
0: I, I, don't, I I don't let anybody tell me, oh, you're this color belt. I'm like, fuck off.
1: I agree with you after having gone through that whole system.
0: Uh, yeah, I never really went through it. I mean, for a brief period as a kid when I was doing Shotokan. But as an adult training MMA, I never wanted a belt.
1: You know, I like Shotokan. It's a very linear style. It's a bunch of bullshit. No, well, let me tell you something. It's a, a bunch,
0: bunch of you- bullshit. You touch the guy and then they stop the fight and
1: reset it. No, no. I'm not talking about competition. I like the training of shotokan because it teaches you proper form. Form for what? What form? And Bullshit. No, no. If you can't, if you can't actually fight, who gives a fuck about form? No, no. I'll tell you. You're going to be form. sitting
0: there in, in perfect form and I'm going to, no, no, kick no, no. That's not what I mean by form. knock him
1: out. That's not what I mean by form. I mean by form. When you throw a front kick, it doesn't come out this way. When you throw a front kick, one knee touches the other. Yeah, but who gives if, a shit? Who gives well, a shit? Is it's it, the damage is it that you do.
0: Nah, is it usable? Is it usable? You could throw a leg kick, a roundhouse tie kick to somebody's thigh and dislocate their knee or possibly temporarily cripple them to where they can't walk. And then who's, who
1: gives a shit about form now? Form, I'll tell you something. Form is the proper use of your body. To do the maximum amount of damage. Correct,
0: but there is no damage in Shotokan karate. It's a bunch of bullshit. Well, Did you see in the Olympics? I think it was the very the most recent one, and I don't know if this was Shotokan. It was some kind of taekwondo, taekwondo karate. I don't know. The guy knocks the other guy out with a head kick,
1: and he's disqualified. And he gets
0: disqualified yeah. For, yeah. for 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 knocking the guy out of a combat sport. What the fuck are we doing? Well, that's it's bullshit. Then they have katas in the Olympics. Are you kidding me? For like, for katas, that's like pay, that's like having shadow boxing in the Olympics.
1: Well, let me tell you, the <laughs> like, okay.
0: if they had the speed bag Olympics, I'd get it. I'd be like, all right, cool. <laughs> like that, like, okay, speed bag Olympics. All right, cool. let me answer all of these. But katas, these. let get me the fuck all of these. out of here. Let me answer bullshit. all of
1: these. That's just nonsense. Here's what katas teach you. Nothing. It keeps you will transition Who gives from one no. move to another.
0: Yeah, well, fine, but you don't. But it's not an Olympic sport. It's not. It's not oh, something no, you win an you. Olympic gold medal. Yeah, you want a shadow box? Shadow box. You want to do katas? Do katas. But don't tell me you get you have an Olympic gold medal in katas. I'd be like, fuck you and your katas. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, no, I agree <laughs> with you about that. It katas is a form I'll, of practice. I'll, I'll knock
0: that motherfucker out, and then I'll get this thing right here. I love this thing right here. See, a little violin, the world's smallest violin. And I'll just play this over his unconscious body. I'll just play.
1: <laughs> yeah, katas, bullshit. Katas bullshit martial you. artists. Katas teach you.
0: There's nothing wrong with katas. It's just it, it's like if you think that you're a badass because you can do katas, you're you're, you're not. You're, you're an idiot. You should you just know yeah. how to do katas. That's it, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you can shadow you. box. Good for you.
1: I agree with you. Yeah. you when I was fighting, when I was fighting bare knuckle, one of my goals. Was to, for my own growth as a martial artist, was to find out how effective some of the techniques really were. You know, if somebody, sure, yeah, you know, if you're sparring and somebody hits you with a chicken beak strike, you know, to the top of the forehead, <laughs> you know, you go, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Do you understand? That's a but, lot of kung fu, though. Yeah, yeah. But if somebody puts two front knuckles into your sternum, you're going down. Sure. Okay? Lever shots. You know, right. The bah, same thing. Right, right. The, bah to the yeah, liver. Yeah. Boss Ruten was and, a master at And, and, and in that. boxing is also a great sport that you can use for fighting. Sure, of you course. Know, Pro- and,
0: probably the best thing for street fighting is to have a quick, powerful punch.
1: Absolutely. Or a good front kick sure you know and i'm not gonna look i'm wearing levi's and gym shoes right now i'm not gonna try to run house a guy to the head first of all at 76 i can't get my leg up that high anymore <laughs> right but but i can do damage you know if i sweep you behind your tendon behind your knee you know you're you're going to end up on the ground yeah you're going to end up on the ground if I, you know, if if I fake to your head, you know, you cover your head and you got that leg sticking out and I can sweep that leg. You're, you're on the ground. Sure. You know, it, it it's that simple. You, you told
0: me a story. I think it was the first time you come on, you came on the podcast and it was a really funny story. I don't really remember it, but it was about you had, there were some ninjas or something that you beat the shit out of <laughs> <laughs> what was that story about?
1: <laughs> I, I I had a I had a karate school on Devon Avenue in Chicago, and I opened it up uh, on the north side of Chicago. And about a month after I had opened it up, all these guys came in from the Green Dragon Society. Oh, and and they were wearing. Chinese outfits, kung fu outfits. They were all in green, different shades of green. And they showed up. And they had those cheesy exhibition weapons. Uh-huh. You know, that if you, you know, like those swords, if you swing up too hard, the sword, the blade will bend or uh-huh. fall off, you know. And uh, sickles, if you hit a piece of wood, the sickle will break. And they came in. They said they came me, in with sickles? Yeah, sickles and tonfa and you know and, and what and, a colorful bunch yeah yeah and and, a, and about six seven guys showed up and they said you can't run you can't have a karate school without our authorization oh i said really <laughs> <laughs> so anyway they challenged me to a duel and i said you guys come back friday night now i have to tell you that about I had about I started that school because I'd been teaching cops. Right? So these come and I and I'll fight all of you, one at a time or two at a time. And they agreed to that. Now these guys had previously gone to another dojo that had opened up and they'd gotten to a melee, and one of those guys threw one of those cheesy spears, hit a guy in the throat and killed him. Oh. So, I mean, this was serious business. You know, these, these guys were really living in, you know, they thought it was 17th century China, you know, not 1970s Chicago, right? Okay. So they came, and I, and I had a dressing room about the size of this thing and a little office. And basically, it was just a place to train for martial artists, for guys who went to martial arts, you know, and and it was... It was hard training. You know, we would start every training session with 20 front kicks, 20 side kicks, 20 roundhouse kicks, 20 spinning back kicks, 20 crescent kicks, 100 kicks with each leg. You know, that was the beginning. That was to get your legs in shape. You know, that's that was part of my teaching format. So, and I would work out with the class, you know, and, and then we would spar, we would do katas or whatever, you know. So when well, these guys came in, um, I said out loud, and it was just me and a couple of my other black belts, said, you guys, you, you're telling me I can't have my school unless I pay you guys money and fight all of you? I go, yeah, that's right. I go, all right, come on, guys. So out from the dressing room come 10 cops in their cop uniform with shotguns in their hands, <laughs> and they arrest these guys for extortion. Right? This just like on a Friday night. Now I have to go to court on Monday, on Monday you know, to make sure I'm finally charged. And I show up on Monday. <laughs> and they bring these guys out of the lock. They're all beat to shit. <laughs> They're all bloody. I mean, I felt sorry for these guys. <laughs> I'm looking at these guys and i going, what the fuck happened to this? <laughs> I didn't lay a hand what the by, 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 them way, by the way, by the way, I I got a 1911 inside my gi. Okay, nice. You know, when when I came on to talk to these guys. Uh, I'm packing a 1911. Uh, Guess what? This this isn't 18th century China. (laughs) This is 1970s Chicago. Yeah. Right? We're here to train. We're here to enjoy ourselves and have a good time doing whatever it is our version of martial arts are. So... (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, what happened is they put them in a paddy wagon. You know what a paddy wagon is? Those big police wagons that uh-huh. they just have in Chicago. Uh-huh. These guys are all handcuffed, and when they're in the back there, the cops start hitting them with the shotguns. You know, they just beat them with the shotgun butts. You know, and these guys are coming out. Their hair's all matted. You know, their their little green pajamas <laughs> are, are all covered in blood. You know, little pajamas. <laughs> that's my favorite little, part. Little, little silk. You know, these guys. <laughs> oh, holy cow! You know, they got the defendants lined up. They're all like this. You know, you recognize this guy. Yeah, I recognize this guy. You're this guy. Yeah, he was one of them. You know, <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're all charged with felony extortion. Mm. You know, and it it, 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 these guys, I gave my reality check. This is, this is not 17th century China or 18th century or <clears> whatever. <throat> you know, we have firearms now. The ultimate self-defense is a firearm. Anything else that you're training for is almost secondary. You know, because if I'm gonna be in a real fight, you know, where I'm fighting for my well being, guess what? I'm not playing with you. Sure. I'm I'm, I'm gonna put two rounds in the middle of your chest as fast as I can. That's I mean, that's martial arts to me. Martial arts include a gun, they include a knife, they include a gun. Well, there's natural weapons,
0: non-lethal weapons, and lethal weapons.
1: Wait, if I'm fighting, I'm fighting. You know, if I'm in a dojo, I know there's rules. Sure, there's martial arts competition, and then there's fighting. Correct. You know, but I trained all my guys. To fight. That's one thing that annoys
0: me about people who say, look, boxing isn't really a fight because they can't kick. Well, kickboxing isn't really a fight because they can't wrestle. Well, MMA is not a fight because there's no groin shots. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. These are all sports.
1: They're all sports. Get over it. And you enjoy them for the sport that they are. Correct. Get over it. It's all a sport. But, but, But in
0: all combat, there's rules. Even in war, there's rules. Now some people adhere to those rules, some people don't, but everywhere there's rules. And unless you have a referee to enforce those rules, they don't get enforced. That's the thing. So in the streets, you have to in the streets there's no rules. That's the only place where there truly are no rules.
1: Well, where I fought the unless you're
0: dealing with a corrupt military, yeah. perhaps, or a military that that's functioning without any oversight. Is that was that the case when you were in Uganda? Tell me about Uganda. Angola. Angola. Tell me about Angola.
1: Um uh, When I came back from my last tour of Vietnam, um, I was going to re-up for sniper school. I was a corpsman. Yeah. My primary MOS was corpsman, but I wanted sniper school. And I got promised that if I re-upped, I would get $3,500 back then. This is 1967. My out date was February of February twenty-one. 21- 1968 because that's when I turned 21. I was like what's called a kitty cruiser. I joined shortly after I turned 17 and I got out on my 21st birthday. Okay. Um they started screwing around with me on my pay grade. And so I decided to look around and they were looking for people to go to Angola on their the Agency for International Development. What I had, one of my duties in Vietnam was what called MedCap. I provided medical services for local villagers It's part of the Hearts and Minds program. Every night I patrolled. I put on grease paint in my face. You know, when I first got there, we were still using M14s. You know, I was there when we switched to the M16. So every night I went out with, grabbed a rifle and did either a patrol, a raid, or an ambush. That, I did that every night. I was the fifth man on each team. There were, these guys went on Monday, Tuesday. These guys went out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I was the fifth man on each team. I went out every night because I was the corpsman. So if you do the math on it, I was there for 25 months. We had a, a 17.8. I don't know how we got to that point eight part contact rate. But I've been, I've been in actual, I've been in over 100 firefights. So I had a lot of experience. I also had a lot of experience in providing medical services during the day. That was my day job. You know, vil- villagers would come in and I would tend to whatever medical problem they had. They called me boxy. I'm an 18 year old doctor. I'm delivering babies, uh, 18, 19 and 20 year old doctor. I'm delivering babies. I'm pulling teeth. Wow. You know, I'm I'm curing snake bites. Uh, a farmer that cuts himself on the leg. A little girl burnt her arm. You know, with uh, with kerosene lamp. You know, I patched her up. I I took care of local people. So I was supposed to go to Angola and start what's called a medcap program for the Portuguese. Now this was the war of independence. That was my, that was my expertise. You know, counterinsurgency but providing the Hearts and Minds program. And I had a blast doing that. You know, I really enjoyed it. You know, I mean, women would come in and, you know, they would have an infection and I would, you know, give them oxytetracycline or whatever it is, or, you know, if somebody else came in, uh, I would give them uh, iron pills because, you know, this or that. These were people who had never had medical attention. So I was going to go do that in Africa. I was there a month before my other skills, counterinsurgency skills were discovered, and I ended up, I actually, within a month or two, I ended up with a company of 120 guys chasing guerrillas, chasing insurgents. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Now, we really had a lot of problems. We had no air support. We had no uh, artillery and our ability to patrol was limited to about what we could carry on our back. Typically, you can only go out for four days. You can only carry enough food for four days because that way you still maintain your fighting efficiency. So you go out for two days out and two days in. So my idea was. To I I kept trying to get the Portuguese government to supply us in the field, a helicopter, you know, by helicopter. And it took me a while. But what started happening is the guys that I trained were able to stay out six days. So we could chase guerrillas after we found, let's say we heard of an atrocity, go investigate this. So I would take half of my company you know, which was never a full company. It's 120 guys. But I would take a platoon out, maybe 50 guys out, and go, look. I'll give you an example. I take up, I forgot how many guys I had, but it was somewhere between 40 and 50. And we show up at a village. And everybody's, you know, everybody's dead, slaughtered. i am I'm 21 years old when this is going on. You know, from the age of 21, that's when I went to Angola at age 21. Because, because personnel fucked my pay grade. And I got pissed off at the Navy, and I said, fuck this shit. You know? <laughs> and, and and the pay at Angola was $36,000, which was an admiral's pay back then, if I was still in the Navy, plus another 10000 if you stayed the whole year. But that was 46,000. And I'm thinking, I'll go there, do a year. Now I have enough money to go to college. So I went to Angola. Like I said, within a month and a, ostensibly to set up, uh, you know, MedCap programs and teach and, and teach pro Portuguese soldiers, Angolans, how to do this you know, in order to win their hearts and minds, to show that the Portuguese were still good, right? So now I'm out there, but now I'm chasing guerrillas. We get to a village and we see slaughtered people, women with their, anch- their feet chopped off, you know, kids. I mean, literally, <clears throat> literally kids, you know, with their entrails out, uh, dead women, women with their breasts cut off. And, and I remember... You know, one thing that really stuck to me was I saw an older man gutted and tied to a tree with his own intestines. Jeez, you know, and just barely alive when I got there, and you know, I didn't know whether to shoot him or not, you know. So I just shot him up full of morphine. You know, you, we we had morphine syrets for our soldiers, so I, I hit the, I overdosed him on morphine, you know, so he would die a peaceful death. I'm 21 years old when this shit's going on yeah and then in my mind I go let's get the guys that did these I don't know if I want to talk about war crimes but okay <laughs> well, you know, so so we decide we're going to get these guys no matter what no matter how many days we have to go without food and water okay these guys aren't getting away with it So we really hit it hard. And we run up on these guys. There's 16 of them. Some of them are 13, 14, 12-year-old kids. Jeez. Right? And we we, we didn't even have to fight them. We got them when they were sleeping, woke them up. I'm in charge, and I got an interpreter, a Portuguese interpreter. I speak fluent Spanish, so Portuguese is very similar try to make a deal with these guys. We're going to execute you if you allow yourself to be executed peacefully. If you try to run away, we're going to do to you what you did to those villagers. So we have them dig their grave, kneel in front of their grave, put a bullet behind everybody's head. I had a Browning, which typically back then carried 13 rounds. Browning high power. Yeah. Browning, browning high power. Yeah. That that was my field pistol. Yeah. Uh, and, but I had gotten Brazilian magazines, which carried 15 rounds. Oh, convenient. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I had a 15 round, you know, I still got scars from the fucking bite. You know, those, the hammer bite. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, how to Browning. And and I, I love that pistol. I still have one oh. from a Belgian one, by the way. Those are worth some money. Oh, they're worth a lot. Yeah, yeah. now they're The
0: Canadian ones, not so much, but the Belgian ones are, yeah. are worth more. Yeah,
1: mine says made in Belgium. Uh-huh. So <clears throat> here was my mind at 21 years old. I got 16 guys I have to execute, right? I'm going to shoot each one. And here's what I was thinking. Oh, 16 guys, 16 rounds. I don't have to reload. <laughs> That's where my 15 mind. 15
0: mag and plus one in the chamber.
1: Right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so we caught these guys, executed them, and then that was it. That was a brutal, horrible war. The shit I saw at that point, really.
0: Who was that war between?
1: It. It was a war of independence. Uh, you know,
0: just just locals
1: or. Yeah. there there were actually three factions, I forgot their name, you know, fighting against, uh, fighting against Portugal, trying to, and eventually they gained their independence from uh, Portugal. Uh, You know, again, I fought in a losing war. (laughs) And, and so what I'm trying to tell you is that the mindset, you know, so now I'm back and I'm looking at combat and martial arts and stuff like that and i realize it's all bullshit you know if you have a firearm or a knife it's you know i'm gonna win if i have a knife on me which i always have you know i i don't leave the i don't leave my house without a pocket knife or a gun. There are some
0: guys, though, who are not trained and they just carry and they think that the simple act of carrying is going to make them safe even though they are very slow on the draw, they are overweight, they are not athletic, and I always think that by the time this sloppy, slow, fat bastard gets his gun out, I will already have cleared the distance between me and him, grabbed the hold of him, took his gun from him, and beat the shit shit out of him with it.
1: That's because you're a good martial artist. Because the training you've had, even though it's not fighting, will get you through that. Let me tell you a great martial arts story. I had a student who was, I was teaching at a Shotokan dojo in in Mexico City. Um, after Angola, I went to Mexico to go to college. Uh, I didn't want to come back to the States because I thought, some of the shit I pulled off in Angola, there might be an arrest warrant for me in the U.S.
0: Like how you were supposed to come back with forty six thousand dollars, and you came back with three hundred thousand.
1: Three hundred and seventy. <laughs> you know, so but the point is, it, you know, those hey, pillage and plunder, you know, was was available back then.
0: You said you told the story about the plane the first time you were on the show.
1: Of. A buddy of mine, a lifelong friend, you know, and I, uh, the Portuguese didn't want to give us our $10,000 bonus. <clears throat> so we took a plane from them <laughs> and sold it in Marseille, France to some drug smugglers. That's
0: fantastic. And, and,
1: and we, we made more than our, so our $10,000 I, I would imagine so, yeah. So now, I'm back, I, I realize all this. I realize that martial arts is great training, physical fitness. It it teaches you to fight, but not really, you know. I mean, a fight is a fight, a, a, a sparring session at a dojo or a match where there are rules is still a sport. Mm-hmm. I, I I get all that difference. Sure. And they're still all enjoyable. They're still all fun, you know. They're still a lot of fun. And so, uh, but when it comes to dealing out death and destruction, it's a totally different story. Of course.
0: I mean, George St. Pierre, who is one of the most dominant mm-hmm. <clears throat> UFC, excuse me, former UFC champions in the history of the sport, he's certainly in the conversation, I would say, for the top five all time greats, for sure, top 10 all time greats. He, he said it time and time again. He goes, this is all an illusion. This illusion, like these fighters who come out and say, I'm the baddest man on the planet because I won the UFC championship. He's like, you can't beat a bullet.
1: That, uh, it, of course. It,
0: I mean, that's why they're, that, you know, that quote, man made, uh, <coughs> God made man, cult made him equal. Yeah. But it's not totally Kurt true. But it's not totally true because two men, each armed with a firearm, <coughs> the faster, more accurate guy is still going to win. Well, that's so why you practice. They're, they're not equal. They're still that's not where you equal. Practice. But there's, there's physical limitations for that, that. Only, well, just like there know. is physical limitations yeah. for sport. Like when you see Bob Munden shoot two balloons that are, I don't know if it was eight feet or 10 feet apart. Have you ever seen that shot? Yeah. He shoots two balloons that are, I think, 10 feet apart, and it sounds like he fired a single shot. He's so fast, it's unbelievable. His draw was clocked at a speed faster than the blink of an eye. They actually have to play it in slow motion. Oh, I've you, seen that guy. See I've seen the, that. Oh, it's well, He passed away, he, he, he? died, yes. Yeah, but, he, I mean, nowadays you look at Jerry Michelak, who's in his late 60s, oh, yeah. I think, and he's incredible. Oh, He is absolutely, fantastic. He's, he's still breaking records. The guy, I, I forget Jerry's uh, 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 records with a revolver, but I think he did six shots, reload six shots in 2.99 seconds.
1: That's awesome. Yeah,
0: that's insane. That's amazing. You, you can't even see the reload. No. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's it's incredible eight shots in less than a second But you know guys who have a gun it's incredible max mitchell is another one i love watching max mitchell he's a six hour sponsored athlete i know that i know oh he's phenomenal he's 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 so smooth i watch these guys shooting and i'm like gee you know if i had a gun and they had a gun they're gonna kill me well
1: they're not used to getting shot at
0: assuming I can even get my gun out in time to shoot them. <laughs> so right. I'd have to be firing first. <laughs> if it was a duel, I'm done. I mean, they can pull their gun out and fire six shots in less than a second. Let me tell you something.
1: <laughs> There's a great old saying. The great warrior lives only as long as the coward allows them to. Period. You know, while Bill Hickok got shot behind the head, while bank cards. You know, and, and there's also another great saying, just because you own a guitar doesn't make you a guitar player. Mm. I like another saying.
0: Just because you've been bumped up to, fir- to first, <laughs> let me say it again, just because you've been bumped up to first chair in orchestra does not mean you know how to compose a symphony.
1: There you go. <laughs> and 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 when you're, and, and look at all the things that you have to take into consideration, you know. When, when Susan and I were the victims of a home invasion, it's, you know, I put one guy on the floor with a gun, and there's a 17-year-old kid. I walk in, and 17-year-old kid across the living room is shoving my wife, you know? And I put this guy on the ground, and I tell this guy to get on the ground, and he starts motherfucking me and walking across the living room toward me. And I'm looking at a some 17-year-old knucklehead, and I got a 357 SIG, you know, with 13 rounds in it. And I'm thinking, I've got every right to shoot this kid. You know what I'd said to him? I said, get on the ground. Fuck you, fuck you. He's walking. And I said to him, just think of your mom crying at your funeral. And that's that made him think. I had every right to shoot and kill this kid. And I didn't want to. I don't want that to kill some
0: 17. Years. That would have backfired if his mom was already dead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll be with Bob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, seriously. And he stopped. Yeah. And he got on the ground. And I kicked the shit out of him while he was yeah. on the ground. And then we called the police. But what I'm trying to tell you is that it, it's self defense. Is it's such a broad range, and I'm going to tell you the karate story. I had a kid who was a great sparer, you know, good on the makiwata, good knuckles, you know, good black belt, beautiful form, brave, fit, you know, in his early 20s, you know, tough kid. And one day he gets in a street fight and he ends wakes up in the hospital. And I walked up to him and I said, You know, I went to visit him and I said, What happened? He said, well, this guy came at me, and as he came at me, he rushed me like this head down. He says, I I hit him with a perfect reverse punch, and boom. He says, I broke his nose. I obliterated his nose. Nice. And I said, then what happened? He didn't care. He grabbed me around the waist, flipped me upside, and threw me on the cement, and I hid with my head, and I woke up in the hospital. Not so nice. Huh? Yikes. Yeah. So you break a guy's notes, you think he's gonna stop if he's furious? Or on math. Or or whatever. You know? Yeah. What do you do in case and this kid's a great great karateka. Now the the style I saw I taught was basically the forerunner of Shotokan. You know, it was what Kichin Funakoshi learned. It was Shobokan a very tough Okinawan style, you know? And when when Kichin Funakoshi left Okinawa to go to Japan, he took out all the Chinese elements of it. Remember, because at the time, Japan was conquering China, right? Mm-hmm. So there was an anti-Chinese feeling. So he made it more Japanese and adopted it to judo. And he made it karate-do, which is the way of karate, which brings in the peace, the bowing, all, all the other stuff that went with the false samurai bullshit that existed in Japan at that time, because the samurai class had been detoothed, had been you know, had been defanged by firearms. Sure, you know, you can take a you can take a Japanese farm boy and train him for three months, and you'll and line him up in, with a rifle company. And with mass fire, and, and they'll beat a horde of samurai who've been training for 20 years, of course. And, you know, that's what happened in Japan. And, and Japan never got over that. You know, they had to learn it with Hiroshima and Nagasaki, that, you know, the samurai bullshit is just samurai bullshit. When I was a kid, I trained at the Chicago Buddhist Temple. I was brought up in the samurai tradition for martial arts. You know, when I started doing kendo, I mean, there's there's no more traditional martial arts, ken, sword, do, way, right? There's, you bow, you do this. There's only limited targets. I'll tell you a great kendo story. Uh, I used to do kendo with my sons, but we used to do animal kendo, and we wore uh, not kendo gear, not the kodo, not not the mask, we wore we wore hockey gear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hockey And with it, was the, I'm sparring with my son, Kevin, who was at the time was about 17 years old. <laughs> you know, was, and, and you can trip and you can hit and you can use the butt and you can strike. <laughs> I, I let my left leg out too far. And he hit me right down here, right in the tendon behind your leg. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I I thought I was going to cry from the pain. I, with a shenai. Mm-hmm. You know what a shenai is, right? A wooden uh, No, no, it's not a wooden sword. It's a bamboo flexible sword. Okay. But he hit me with a shenai so hard, I said, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I ever called one of my children a motherfucker. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the second time
1: when he hit me the second time. (laughs) And he hit me again. (laughs) And he got me again. Because I left that leg out there. Uh, Now, I'm thinking to myself, the pain was, (laughs) I went down. I went down from the pain. And I knew it wasn't permanent. But but he just hit me so damn hard. You know, he got me here. He goes, Dad, are you okay? I'm on the ground. I'm on the ground laughing. (laughs) I'm the laughing. I go, you motherfucker. I can't believe you got me that way. He goes, what? That? Dad, dad, dad. I can't believe you called me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <I am. laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and I'm thinking to myself, if that were a real sword, I'd be dead. I'd be dead. Why? Because I let my left leg hang out a little too far. That's, I, I mean, that simple. Yeah. My left leg sure, was out sure. My it's left leg was inches, out inches. Four inches. Yeah. Three or four inches. And that made me vulnerable.
0: Well, I mean, that's how it is in, in jujitsu, let's say you can leave your chin out for a split second and now you're wrapped up in a choke and there you, you go you're going unconscious. And if somebody holds if if you're in practice, of course, you could tap and they'll let it go in competition. The referee right, right. would break it up if you go unconscious. In the streets, if somebody keeps holding on to that choke, after X amount of minutes, you're dead.
1: You'd be surprised how many guys I put down on the street. Well, there's, just a there's, there's been a
0: lot of accidental deaths. When uh, jiu-jitsu and, and MMA started becoming really popular, Like, which is in the last, I think, 30 years the UFC has been around, and MMA started really gaining some popularity, there were guys who would practice on each other at home, and there were stories for a while popping up every few months of like this guy choked out his best friend and killed him. This There was a story I, I, I remember seeing about, it was either a nephew who killed his uncle or an uncle who killed his nephew. So, and they were just practicing a choke. Like, hey, let's let's do this move that Anderson Silva just did, and they they didn't realize that yeah, you could actually kill somebody with yeah, this.
1: yeah. You, you so there were people the dying. From going to oh, yeah, yeah. I remember one time I was in the barracks. Uh, I was in a training thing in Key West, no, Jacksonville, Florida, Jacksonville Naval Air Base. We were jumping out of a helicopter and supposed to swim with a compass five miles and five miles back. Of course we had, uh, we didn't have tanks. It was just, it was just fins and mask, but it was an underwater navigation thing that we had to complete. And I, as a corpsman, whenever we checked into a military base, I automatically became part of the medical staff. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I held my own sick call for my team. Uh, and so forth and so on. But when I wasn't doing that, I was part of the medical staff. So now I'm in the Corman barracks. Mm-hmm. I walk in and there's a bunk. There's two bunks and this, and there was a, uh, there was an oscillating fan. We didn't, this is in Jacksonville, Florida, somewhere in the summer, right? Super hot. And so I told the guy, his name was Boot, I remember. I told the guy, hey, man, you know, don't I get the fan? He looks at me he goes, fuck you. Barracks stuff, right? And I go, wait a minute. Come on, man. You know, be reasonable. Yeah, fuck you. He gets in my face. I didn't argue with him. I went in my locker, took out my K-bar, you know, and I cut the string that he had. had. <laughs> you know that it was holding it straight on his bunk, so it would oscillate down to my bunk too, right? Uh, he's got the top, I got the bottom, so we're both we're both he works at this hospital full time, so he gets in my face, and all of a sudden, i got about six or seven guys that are his buddies going to back him up. And he comes at me, I just moved, made a move, started choking him out. And I said, you guys take another step. He's going unconscious. He's going out. And then an older guy came in. He goes, hey, don't 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 fuck with that guy. He's been to Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: so, Such a reputation. For yeah, yeah, Vietnam no, he's war. one of those. You know, he's <clears throat> one of those
1: guys. You know, he told him who I was with. You know, oh, 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 okay. You know, then we shook hands, you know, and and that was it. But I slept with the K-Bar next to me because I didn't know if I was going to get a blanket party in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you think Vietnam
0: has such a badass reputation? Like, as far as being a Vietnam veteran, like, I feel like no other war has that kind of reputation. Maybe World War II, but how many of those veterans are still alive? Not very many, but like... Vietnam, when you say Vietnam veteran, people are like, whoa. But when you say I went I've done tours in Afghanistan, Iraq, whatever, it doesn't have that same effect. What is it about that war that people respond to in, in a very particular way? Is it just because it rhymes? Well, it doesn't rhyme, it's more of an alliteration, Vietnam veteran. Sounds cooler than Iraqi veteran or
1: out of out of every hundred <laughs> guys that go to a war. Only 10 of them actually do any fighting. And of every 10 guys. Well, that's changed over the years though, right? No.
0: In, in uh, Well, it's, it's changed over the years. They talk about that. Uh, a friend of mine, Paul Chappelle, talks about that in one of his books. How the military has gotten better. Well, okay, you're talking about fighting. I'm talking about actually firing at the enemy when given a chance. Yes. He, he talks about how the military has gotten better over the years at training people to kill. And if you look at statistics of say, World War I soldiers who fired at the enemy when they had the chance to. It was, I don't know, exact numbers, maybe let's just say 20%. By World War II, it was 60%. By the Vietnam War, it was 80%. Nowadays, it's nearly 100%. And he says the military has gotten better at training soldiers to kill. One of the things, for example, that they do differently or have been doing differently for a while now is instead of firing at a Target that's just a bullseye. They fire at human-shaped targets. Correct. Yeah. To condition soldiers to shoot at people.
1: But soldiers who get to shoot at people are in combat. Out of every hundred, and that's ten out, out of, of every hundred. 100 there, there's only ten soldiers. Gotcha. Who get to shoot at people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Everything is support. Yeah. You know, you got supply. You got, you got this. You got that. You got, you know, uh, guys who actually fight. It takes, you know, even sans Tzu says, you know, takes 10 people to keep one guy in the field. You know, and that's, I was the one guy, and we were the one guy in the field. And out of those one guy in the field, uh, out of those 10 guys who actually do the fighting, only about one or two, and I'm talking about infantry, I'm not talking about spec ops, you know, only about one or two actually know what they're doing you know i see these videos of gunfight at such and such a place and you see a marine platoon under fire and i'm looking well why do these guys you know do this or do that or do this or do that and one of the things we used to do we fought with um, we had we had pf's popular forces Vietnamese soldiers, Vietnamese locals that we trained to accompany us. So we went out at night. There were five Americans and five locals. So we had a 10-man team. You know, we either set up an ambush, a raid, or a night patrol. And every night, I went out on one of those. And we would give the locals 250 rounds. And if we were in a gunfight and we came back, we would always count their rounds to see if they actually fired. You know, and if you come back and you were in a gunfight that lasted 45 minutes, you know, or an hour before you could, you know, get out of there, and a guy came back, and I took, I I never went out with less than 300 rounds and 10 hand grenades. If I came back, if, if, if one of the locals came back and he and he had two hundred. He had his two hundred rounds. He didn't fight. He's he's useless. He's laying down, just avoiding the fight. You have to fight, and and it's it's one of the hardest things that you can actually do, to just unless you initiate an ambush. You know, you're responding to an ambush, or you're responding to a surprise encounter. You know, there were a lot of surprise encounters because. Where I was, we had what's called the T.A.R. Tactical Area of Responsibility, and we went out and ran in every night and sorted the other side. And if you run into each other, you're going to end up fighting, Mm -hmm. you know. And and typically, you end up trying to do as much damage and then you disengage. You know, our our job was to keep the area free of Vietnam of Vietnamese army of North Vietnamese army coming through that area and local insurgents, local Viet Cong, you know, oppressing people in that area and everybody operated at night. Mm-hmm. So there's people that fight and there's people that don't, you know, and when you come back and you've been in a hell of a gunfight, you started off with 300 rounds. and so you still got 300. Guess what? You're not, you're not fighting. Yeah. You know, if if you go out with 10 hand grenades and you come back with 10 hand grenades after a hell of a fight, you know, you're not fighting. You know, it's, it, sure. it's, it, and out of those guys, I'll tell you a great story. I used to, one time when I was hit, I ended up in the hospital in Nang. And I had guys going like, wow, wow, this horse has really, really tell us more. You know, and, and as a corpsman, if you're in the hospital, once you're ambulatory, they put you to work on the ward. You know, I'm passing out meds, I'm changing bedpans, taking temperatures, blood pressures, keeping a guy's record up, you know, attending to the other patients. You know, I'm walking around, I got a bullet hole here, but I got a right, good right hand. Stop passing out meds. I'm writing in your chart that you took your meds. Um, I'm taking your temperature, your blood pressure. I'm making sure you're okay. I'm acting as a corpsman, and my I'm a patient on the ward, but I'm also a corpsman. So, they don't waste you know you don't waste much time, and and so, you see the guys who fight, and you see the guys you see the damage, all around you. And, and there's just some guys that don't fight. There's just some guys that don't fight. Yeah, for sure. And and you get rid of those guys. That's, you have to. You, well, you have to, because they can't maintain firepower. I've got a great photograph of me going out. I went out on patrol about three nights in a row with a with an axe. Yeah, i that I've seen that picture. Okay. <laughs> now uh, my face is painted black and I got an ax. And by that time I was going a little crazy i'd been there about 23 24 25 months you know and i wanted to i wanted to set off an ambush by jumping in the midst of whatever enemy soldiers we had with an axe and started whacking them Mm -hmm. it never happened thank god and in retrospect i go no that was too crazy you know and i i don't think you know i might have become a serial killer after that Start killing guys with an axe, so. But at a certain point, the sergeant in charge of our unit, our re six, you know, the you know first class petty officer, you know, said, "Hey, Doc, uh, uh, this isn't right." I go, "Why?" He goes, "Well, we need you to maintain firepower. If we get in a fight, your axe isn't worth a, a damn. We need you to have a, your rifle." Because you have to maintain firepower. That's your first job. And I said, he's right. You know, I'm putting the rest of my guys in danger by trying to create, you know, some crazy stunt. That's, you know, just war shit, man. Do you still shoot your Browning high power? I did a couple of months ago. I, I was amazing how accurate I was with it
0: considering the trigger on that gun it's hard to be accurate with that thing but it is a nine millimeter it's a I mean the recoil is very little because it's also heavy it's all metal yeah. but uh the, the 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 trigger is uh not the best for accuracy
1: I'm good. you know what I'm, I don't like I'm, I'm, listen I could put them all in the black circle at 15 yards uh
0: what I don't like about it is the safety is too small that's my issue with that gun. The safety is the thumb safety. Oh yeah, too damn small. No, there's, there's- it should be like a, like the one on a 1911 because it's big. You, you're not gonna miss that thing when you go to draw. I don't know you. I know you used to carry without with the safety down, but I carry cocked and locked when I carry a 1911, and I feel just fine that I can hit that safety and and disengage it uh, as I'm as I'm getting the gun from here to here, from holster to uh, shooting position. But with the Browning, that safety's so small. I feel like I might miss it, especially if you're nervous, if you're tired, maybe you've been, I don't know, running, sprinting, whatever. You're shaking, your hands are shaky, your hands are cold. My my hands are always cold. I feel like I'd have I'd probably have a problem disengaging that safety. Same thing with the MP shield. The Smith and Wesson m Shield. They make a version that doesn't have mm-hmm. a thumb safety, mm-hmm. so I re- I recommend that. Well, I'm not going to recommend anything. I recommend it for myself. That's if I was going to carry a shield, I would get the one without the thumb safety because it's so so it's, tiny. So, it's so tiny. If you and miss thin. it, You're done. Yeah, it's part of the slim design that they're they're trying to go with, and I get that. It's you know bit, what I think? Better for carrying, but fucking hell, The
1: safety is for when you're holstering, and then you take it off. Ah, uh, yeah.
0: Well, I see what you're saying. So you put the safety on, you put it in the holster, then you disengage it. I mean, then just, yeah, I don't really see the risk in putting a
1: gun in a holster. Um, I don't either.
0: You're going to push the gun into the holster. You don't need to safety it. I don't either. But there's, you're not you going to shoot your foot off.
1: That's for people who don't know how to fight with a gun.
0: Well, that's the, the big thing is training, right? But uh, the, the high power...
1: I never carried a high power in Vietnam. I always carried a 45. I always carried my nineteen eleven uh-huh. and whatever rifle I was taking out that night.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, like I said, when I was in Vietnam, which when I was there in sixty five, sixty six.
0: What rifle were you using over there? Was it a M fourteen? What caliber is that one?
1: Three oh eight.
0: Oh really? They yeah. were using three oh eights back then. I thought yeah. it was mostly thirty out, like the M one Grand, or is that that was World War Two?
1: That's a thirty out six. We also had those.
0: You're, you're you're too far from the mic. I can't I can't hear you. Oh. <laughs>
1: That's, we, uh, we also, the M14, it.
0: I'm actually not familiar with. I'm going to have to look that M1 one Dur- up. I have a book called 50 guns that changed America. I'm sure it's in there. I got to go look in. The, l- the look, M1, look M1 Durand
1: it. was pretty cool, Yes, but but it's so heavy and Very it only heavy. carries eight rounds. Uh-huh. You know,
0: it had the clip that would eject out the top. That's actually a clip. What most people
1: refer I have to a as a
0: clip is actually a magazine. The thing you Correct. put the the thing you put Correct, into yes. a pistol mm-hmm. is a magazine, but people call it a clip, and it's, it's kind of annoying. When I
1: went through boot camp, we trained with
0: an M1 Garand, and then the M1 carbine is just to me like such a pussy rifle. Oh no, know, that's a great why. rifle! Really, you like oh, it? Oh
1: fuck, I love it! Yeah? yeah,
0: did you ever use one in combat? Oh yeah, I yeah. took
1: a, I I took all our PFs at once. I mean, you know, it, you put a twenty round magazine on it it's uh, i i'd like i'd like the one isn't that
0: crazy that not that long ago you talk about a 20 round magazine like it was such a big deal now you've got 20 round magazines in a standard pistol pistol
1: yeah no kidding you've got 30
0: I've, I've got a i think in my bag right here that hold on a second because i i'm carrying i have a glock with me and i have one of these for backup
1: <laughs> well, i'll never use one of those
0: this, no why
1: not the uh, jury will convict you check for having that this thing holds 31 30. rounds
0: yeah actually this is for the range it has ballpoint ammo in it if, if it was Listen, for self-defense it would have yeah, hollow points it's but, got just such a gangster reputation i've got spongebob but i've got spongebob stickers on it that'll help i think that'll help right it's kind of cute yeah it's kind of cute yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> Really, that would be a problem.
1: I'm going to tell you. A you story. shoot
0: them people, and and what they're gonna yeah. what they're gonna hang on is is what kind of magazine you a use.
1: A prosecutor will shove that magazine up your ass till you till it hurts your Those throat. Fucking prosecutors. Yep. He's a gangster.
0: Mm. He's yeah, a I, gangster. I, I am a gangster. You can tell just by looking at me. No, oh. I grew up on the on the. I I grew up in a pretty rough place. I mean, I grew up in
1: Dubai. That's a pretty rough place. But you never want to be a gangster in front of a jury. You're always an innocent victim. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Who had a a, just held the gun out in front of himself with his eyes closed and tried to defend himself while he was praying. (laughs) And you never shoot to kill. You shoot to stop. But
0: what does that mean?
1: That means your mental intent. So not not
0: bullet placement. I,
1: I I put I put four rounds in his chest. Did you want I to just kill him? To
0: stop him? No, I just wanted All to right. stop him. But would you even ask, be answering those questions, or would your lawyer be answering? Your those lawyer questions? would be
1: answering those questions, and your lawyer would tell you how to testify, if you had to testify. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you a funny story. Just recently, there was a shooting here. Somebody shot. A armed robber coming out of a business. I got a, I represented the kid who shot him. This is in a month old. That kid had a 30-round magazine in his gun. And when I first talked to him, he said, I had a 30-round magazine, and I opened up on the guy. Now, this dumbass kid, was legal, but because he had two prior misdemeanor convictions and he had been denied a firearm, and he's still on, probate, and he was on probation for a misdemeanor, he was denied the ability to purchase a Glock 19. So he had a friend buy the Glock 19 for him. That's a straw purchase. The friend is liable
0: for up to 10 years in prison. They both are. On, you know. They both are. That's so a f- very stupid thing to do
1: yeah very very stupid i, I have
0: i'm gonna cut you off for just a second i have a friend who's here his 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 um his his citizenship status is you know what never mind I'm not even whatever gonna it is yeah, he I'm, can't I'm not, I'm not, no he can't he can't and he uh he, 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 wanted, he wanted he wanted to borrow one of my shotguns to go hunting i said no i said no smart yeah, I said no. He's like, he's like, oh, just, just you know, we're just a couple hours. Nope, nope. If a game warden stops you, where's your whatever? Checks this, checks that. Where'd you get this gun from? How'd you? They link it back to me. I'm the one who lent. Nope. I said, sorry, man.
1: Sorry. No, that's, yeah. it, that's exactly what you have to do. I'm doing it. Yeah. Well, this numbskull gets a friend to buy him a Glock 19, and of course, being a dumbass, he buys a 30 round magazine. Mm. So he's in the back of this restaurant, washing dishes, and the armed robber enters in through his back door. Okay, there's two back doors, and the armed robber is kind of dressed like a ninja. You know, he's got his face covered up to here. He's got a hoodie. Well, he,
0: maybe he's just worried about COVID.
1: Yeah. Oh, this was just post COVID. This, this is, is very recent. What do you mean post
0: COVID? because' <laughs> COVID's still going on. There's still people wearing masks.
1: God bless them. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So you want to wear a mask? Fine. You, you want to wear two socks over your feet, each foot. That's fine. You know. I don't give a shit. God bless them. <laughs> you know. So, you know. As a matter of fact, somebody with a mask. I I ran into an old buddy with a mask the other day. And, and uh, he apologized to me for wearing a mask. He goes, I'm wearing a mask because I, he says, I, I, I got real bad bronchitis. I don't want to affect anybody. He <clears> had <throat> an excuse. You know, like, I don't give shit. You wear a mask, you wear a mask. Yeah, he doesn't
0: have bronchitis. He, he, that's, a, that's a planned excuse just so he no, doesn't. No, I agree. Get, but that's just a, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah.
1: fine. Okay, you know? okay. Go, yeah. go on. I interrupted you. So part anyway, part. this kid, he sees this armed robber run by him. He grabs his book back where he's got this gun at work that he's not supposed to have at work, right? And he goes outside, lucky for him. He waited outside for the bad guy. And you know why he waited outside? Because he was worried about his coworkers. And he said, if I heard gunshots, I was going to go in and confront the armed robber. Now, there's two doors, one here and one here. The armed robber goes in this door, and this kid stands here looking for the armed robber to come out. The armed robber comes out the other door behind him. As he runs by, the armed robber shoots at him, misses him, and it hits another restaurant back gate. This kid opens up on the armed robber. He's never, he's got no experience. He's got a thirty-round mag, right? So when I talk to this kid, I go, "How many times did you hit him?" He goes. I don't know. I just did a mag dump on him. Well, he didn't use those terms. I, I just kept shooting. Okay. Where's the gun now? Well, we ditched it in the desert. I go, shit. <laughs> okay. So now I got to call the police and take walk this kid in. The cops were real good to the kid. You know, especially when he, they found out that the reason he was out there... Now, this kid thought he was a prohibited person, that he couldn't own a firearm legally. Mm -hmm. He was wrong. He could. (laughs) So (laughs) he could actually own a firearm legally. (laughs) It's just a condition of his probation. He was on misdemeanor probation. That's why our friend Paul couldn't sell him the gun. Right. All right? So, anyway... (laughs) So here you have a kid that acted in a heroic sense. And I said, how many times did you shoot the guy? He goes, I, I just emptied the magazine on him. I think I shot him 30 times. Jeez. And I go, that's not going to look good. <clears throat> you know, I said, why? He goes, I don't know. I just kept shooting. And I go, look, if anybody asks, you shot to stop him after he shot at you because the guy's still running away and he's got a gun in his hand and he's still the danger to this, to my client. As long as you have a gun in you, he took a shot in my client, missed him and kept running with a gun in his hand. He's still the danger to my client. That's the law. So I tell him, you know, do you remember this? Okay, fine. We're going to the cops. He talks to the police. The police don't charge him. As a matter of fact, they kind of think it's funny that he thought he was a prohibited person because they ran him and he's not. Mm-hmm. He had a 30-round mag. But guess what? The kid, he's so dumb, he didn't load 30 rounds. He only shot the guy three times. Whoa. You know, and the police recovered they recovered only, I think they recovered 14 shell casings. And the bad guy was hit three times and died. So he fired
0: 17 rounds and no. only hit the guy three times? The guy can't shoot for shit. Of course not. <laughs> you know.
1: Hey, buying a guitar. So he had
0: like, he had 17 rounds in a third. No, no, he bag. had
1: he had 15 plus one. He had 16. Okay. And the police found that he had somehow on the last couple of rounds, he tried to work the gun. and There was a life round recovered. Okay. But the bad guy, the armed robber, was only shot actually three times. That's not bad. And the kid emptied out the mag. But I told him before we went in, why did you shoot the guy? If you're asked that, you're going to say, to stop them not to kill them my intent is not to kill my intent is to stop somebody from injuring me that's and, and that's what self defense is all about and, and i mean you got to figure it right now in my world if there's three guys in my house and one guy's down and i got to go past them to get to the other two guys I got to make sure he's out of commission because I don't want this guy rolling up on me behind me, right? So how am I going to justify, you know, this guy's down with two in his chest, breathing heavy. How am I going to justify putting one in the middle of his forehead? I mean, these these are dilemmas that happen in real life. Mm -hmm. You know, am am I going to be charged with murder? I mean, what's my excuse for, you know, He's down. He's no longer a danger to me. How am I going to justify putting one in the middle of his forehead? Mm -hmm. In my tactical world, it's because the guy's behind me. Can I leave this guy behind me? Is he going to revive and come after me in spite of me putting two in his chest? Do I have to make sure he's he's totally dead? John Wick does.
0: He makes sure everybody ends with a headshot.
1: That's the movies. John Wick never had to stand trial for all those skittlings.
0: No, that's why you got to join his
1: organization. (laughs) Yeah, juries don't see it that way. (laughs) (laughs) So, and then this kid finally, and so the cops tell him, you didn't have 30 rounds. This this idiot didn't know how many rounds he had in the gun. You know, we only, we recovered only so many shell casings. There weren't that many shell casings fired. And lucky for him that the bad guy's bullet was <clears throat> obvious. Maybe I even a double tap because I went to the scene and I saw the bullet holes and it was about that, you know, like that on a steel gate on another location. Uh And so, you know, he's not charged. He's free. But now guess what? He's got to look over his shoulder because the, the dead guy was a gang member. Yeah. You know, and of course I'm not going to mention his name, you know, but that's what happened. And, And the kid wasn't charged. Thank God. But and I told him, I and I said to him, I go, look. You were going to get into a gunfight and kill another human being over the restaurant's money. If I'm in a bank and a bank robber comes in,
0: I'm am finding the closest exit exit and getting the fuck out of there. I'm
1: I'm, I'm not going. Well, what I'm, if what if he starts shooting kids? Well, if
0: he's if he's a threat to others, and I can stop him. I'll stop him. Where does your moral obligation? Kids begin? or adults? I don't care. If he's got a gun and he's, there you He's go. Uh, putting people in danger, and I'm there, and I have a gun. I'm gonna try
1: to stop him. There you go. And th- that's a that's a right that's a righteous moral obligation. But if he's just holding up a bank, am I gonna put two behind his head? You know, just because he's holding up a bank, you know, what do I give a shit about Bank of America's <clears throat> money?
0: It's all government funded anyway.
1: It, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I'm yeah. going to
1: kill a And now his family's suing me. Yeah. And now, so, you know, being armed on the street is 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 if you're not trained, if you're not thoughtful, Yeah. It, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. You know, not only that, uh, I was coming out of my back. That's about a year or two ago. You know, there's... There's, there's two guys. I mean, shitheads sitting on the trust me. I, I represent them all the time. <laughs> I, I know know shithead when I see one, right? And the guy starts walking toward me. I'm dressed in a suit. I'm a chubby looking guy. I'm getting a Mercedes. You know, I got a gold Rolex. I think
0: it's an easy target.
1: It, yeah. Did and they the guy, not see
0: your tattoos? Now you had a suit on. Huh? I want to ask you about those tattoos after you finish the story.
1: Okay, and and so, you know, I, this guy starts walking up. Sir, can I have a word? I go no, and I get in my car and drive away. Now, if I'd have pulled a gun on that guy and said, "Get the fuck out of here," his friend behind him would have been dialing nine one one, saying, "You know, some some white fat guy just pulled a gun on us." <laughs> <laughs> You know, and and I'm the asshole, and he's got my license plates. And so
0: that's why you got to have a button like the movie The Transporter that flips your license plate. You know what I'm talking about? Have you I've seen that movie?
1: Those. Yeah, actually, would have. You know what we used to do? What do you
0: get them done? No,
1: you don't get them done. Tell me about you that body shop. Of wax paper. No, it.
0: no, I'm talking about the transporter. You've seen the movie know, Trans- with the Jason movie. Statham? Yeah, yeah. He pushes yeah, yeah. the button. Whoosh, yeah. but the stupid part about that movie like the very first one is he goes and parks in front of a bank he's waiting for the robbers to come out so he can transport them and he's parked in front of the bank with his with his legitimate license plate yeah and then when the robbers come out then he pushes the button and flips it to the fake one but I'm like don't you think the cameras around the bank already got the legitimate license plate so what is you flipping it going to do with this and
1: cameras part? cameras are the deal. Look how many cops end up getting indicted. Pull, pull, pull that,
0: pull, take that thing back there with you. If yeah. you're leaning back, yeah. just pull it back with you.
1: Look look how many cops get indicted nowadays because of everybody's got a camera. Yes, yes. You know, look yeah, at how many. It's too bad- much.
0: And it's too much. It's 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 a gift and a curse at the same time. You know what they do in China now with um, facial recognition and, and cameras? Oh, yeah. If you, let's say you jaywalk, And the camera catches you jaywalking. That camera will identify you based on your facial recognition and it will find you guilty and it will pull money out of your bank account without any due process (laughs) for the violation of the, for your, the violation you committed. And they will reduce your social credit score. And if your social credit score is reduced enough, you won't be able to buy a train ticket. You won't be able to order an, to order an Uber. You won't be able to use a vending machine. You won't be able to essentially function in any way in society. That's and I, we, I hope we don't get to that point here. I don't think we will. I hope I'll people I'll tell you funny.
1: Jaywalkins. I was jaywalking downtown the other day, just as a federal judge was driving by. You know, and and, uh, and he says, "Hey, Ken, you're jaywalking." And he said it with a smile on his face. You know what my answer was, hmm. Judge? I'm from Chicago. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> we jaywalk in Chicago. <laughs> it's an art form. <laughs>
0: what are you going to do? Charge me with jaywalking?
1: No, no, Your he Honor. Wasn't. He he wasn't. <laughs> but you know, I, I actually there was a lawyer that I I must have been here. Th- three days. And I was in federal court when I started practicing here. This 25 years ago. A very, very well-known attorney who's since passed away. And um, we were in front of the clerk together. We were shooting the breeze. And I came out. And we were standing on the street. And I started to jaywalk. And he said, don't jaywalk. He grabbed me by the arm. I go, why? He goes, well, he said a while ago I was about to jaywalk and uh, and some cop rolled up on me. And he almost arrested me. And I had a gram of coke in my pocket. <laughs> so, I was really afraid. So don't jaywalk. I go, I got I don't have drugs on me. <laughs> yeah. So and I walked across and we be and we be, we became real good friends as a matter of fact. He made the best joke. <laughs> about my military career that's ever been made. Which is? We were in a crowded elevator. And he looked at me and he said, he pointed at me in front of everybody. And he said, folks, he said, this is what happens to old Navy SEALs. They become Navy walruses. <laughs> <laughs> <That's pretty big. laughs> and that uh, stuck then. So I always said, you know, people go. Na- you know.
0: <laughs> Navy SEALs, you know, those are some bad motherfuckers. I was watching uh, an interview with, uh, what's his name, the lone survivor, Marcus Luttrell, where he said that more Navy SEALs die in training than they do in combat. He goes when when Navy Seals die in combat, it's typically it, it'll be a whole bunch of them. It'll be like something went wrong. Like what happened with him, like when they were in the mountains. You know the story, right? You've seen the movie. He goes, I
1: don't buy it.
0: You don't buy the the story. Why not? What do you What are you talking about? They
1: get discovered by some farm boys. Uh huh. You pull the plug on it. You, you got you got two options. You pull the plug right there. We've been made. Abort. It's no longer sneak and peek. We've been made. We're, we're out of here. Come get us out. We're out of here. Or you take care of the farm boys. Well, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but
0: if I remember correctly, they tried to abort, but their communications
1: were... were. I don't... Uh, you know how were, you do that? What's the word? They weren't working. You want to hear something horrible? They, they, couldn't, they couldn't call out. You want to hear something horrible? I'm going to tell you a horrible way to deal with that. You get caught by a farmer. You tie him to a tree. You put a rope around his neck. And you kill him. And then you pull out his penis. You put it in his hand. And it looks like he committed suicide. He died during auto-asphyxiation. (laughs) Auto-erotic asphyxiation. That's how you get... That's how you do that. Well, if they wanted to kill him, they could have killed them no, in, in no. a number of ways. They, no. No, they, they no. No, that's to. how you do it. <laughs> that's how you do
0: it. But they didn't want to kill them. Yeah, the there you go. You either killed them. Some of the some of them did, some of them didn't. At least this was in the movie, there was this agreement. Yeah, I know because yeah, you know you we know, got to be the good no guys no, in the movies. Correct, correct. Well, or if that's what actually happened, then the guy really did not want to kill two innocent farmers.
1: Then you get the fuck out of there.
0: Well, this is what I'm saying, though. I think they tried. Him out. I could be wrong, but I remember they, if I remember correctly, they tried to call out for extraction and the call didn't go through.
1: Oh, you take them with, you don't want to kill them. You take them with, take them with Yeah, to that, your extraction yeah, point. Yeah, maybe, you never let yeah. any, if you're in a sneak and peek. Well, and they knew, they knew that was
0: going to happen. They knew they, um, again, this is all based on the movie, but there was a guy, they were arguing, do we kill him? Do we let him go? And the guy said, if we let him go, we're going to have 300 Taliban up our ass. And it, it's just a matter of time. And that's that's what happened.
1: That, so you don't let them go.
0: Yeah. Why didn't they just hold on to them until? Well, maybe because if they didn't let them go, there was going to be a search party, and they were going to be discovered. Anyway, I don't know. I, I
1: don't that's know. why you tie them to a tree. Choke them out. The the older guy, the kid,
0: hand. every one of them. They were all every one They of were them. all having a masturbation party. That's right. <laughs> that's war.
1: Yeah, I mean, the alternative got... you know what? The alternative and whoever, got found what? Him, whoever found him never would have suspected that there was anything but that because it's such an embarrassing, culturally, it's such an embarrassing thing. You're not going to call out the whole village. You're going to keep it a secret. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want people
0: to think your son was doing that or your father was doing that. There
1: you go. Yeah, right, right. So, So you don't, you know... You have to be So what what part of it don't are you not buying though? Like That part I'm
0: not buying. How did all those Navy Seals die though in that in that uh on in, on that mountain when they got attacked by the Taliban? Like
1: Oh, that that whatever happened afterwards, I, that's okay. You know, I I didn't have a problem with that movie that way. Okay. But but buying it or not buying it is just uh So you they, don't think they let him go? I don't know what happened there, man, but I'll tell you, you you just, you, to you, it's just, it's, I, I'm I'm from a different era. I'm from the 1960s. They, those, those kids would not have made it out alive. Yeah. I got a wife. I got a family.
0: Yeah.
1: The United States government has invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in my training. I have a mission to accomplish. Guess what? Uh, I'm not going to die stupidly. I'm not going to die because some farm kid ran into me. You know, some separate boy. It's that simple. Yeah. You know? And and guess what? You have to have, you have to have, and, and, and it's not anything you do with glee or pleasure or anything. It's, it's just part of the fucking job. To kill indiscriminately? Not indiscriminately. That's very discriminately. OK, you just have to eliminate witnesses. Mm-hmm. You you can't have somebody, you know, I, I remember one time when we got silencers and we were going to take out a village uh, tax collector that was supposed to show up that night. And when you go to a village, a lot of times when you're when you're rolling up in a ville, you know, it's dog's bark. So, you know, we had silencers with, uh, uh, what are they called? That, uh, um, PPKs, 380s, you know, yeah, yeah, shitty gun for combat. No, no, but they're for silencing. Okay, it's just, you know, if you got to shoot a guy up close, you know, it's, we I had guess, rifles. a it would be pretty quiet. Yeah, yeah, we had rifles, you know, we had rifles, we had sidearms. And we had P- a couple of PPKs with us, uh-huh, you know, And it was supposed to be ostensibly to take out a dog, and I'm sitting next to a guy, I'm laying down on, on a fucking riverbank with a guy named Karras. and dogs are barking at us. And he says, "I'm going to shoot a, I'm going to shoot the dog." I go, "No, you ain't going to kill him with a 380." But guess what he's going to start doing? He's going to start howling and barking, mm-hmm. and other dogs will start howling and barking. And before we know it, Every villager will be out with, a, you know, with these SKS or old mouser or whatever, trying to figure out what happened here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be in a fight when we're just supposed to grab one guy that comes here to collect taxes. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, no, no, I'm gonna. I said, don't shoot the fucking dog, man. i mean, be like, don't shoot the fucking dog. I'm gonna shoot the dog. Don't shoot the fucking. you you fucking. You're fucking I'm, pulling the, I'm pulling on this fucking. I'm, I'm trying to reach for his gun hand. He shoots the dog. Sure enough. Before we know it, there's five dogs barking at us. You know, within a minute, all kinds of lights are coming on and we're running away.
0: Ugh. So that's
1: that's not. How you know, and and that's what I'm talking about. You know, it, it's like it's the difference between the sport and 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 a in a street fight. Mm-hmm. You don't uh, you got to do what you got to do. My job is to get home. You know, on my third tour, I had a wife. I had a pregnant wife in the United States, waiting for me to get back home. I wasn't gonna die over some stupid shit, over keeping some kid alive, or, you know, trying to see if this new toy that we had, you know, because we've been practicing, we have been shooting cans, old coffee cans and shit, you know, for about two weeks. I was oh, in the school. Do you think it'll really work? Do you think how you know how many decibels? Uh, you know, and as you well know, a silencer, especially back then, there was still like loud claps.
0: Yeah, well it's really called a suppressor, not a silencer, because it doesn't silence necessarily. It suppressor,
1: whatever you call it. Right. I just had a suppressor case, believe it or not. Oh yeah? Yeah. I had a guy, you know, um, a guy with a suppressor, but and I I didn't let him go down for it. Because it was a toy suppressor. What does that mean? What is a toy suppressor? I bought it. But it didn't have a way of attaching it to a firearm. It didn't have threads on it. Okay.
0: So, so what the hell did he buy? A bullshit 3D printed suppressor? Like, how do you even get a suppressor that can't
1: be attached to a firearm? It had baffles on it, a tube with baffles. But you couldn't attach it to it. That, that was my precisely my argument. So I filed a motion. It was relevant conduct on a felon in possession of a firearm. When they raided his house. They found a whole bunch of firearms. They found that thing, which was going to be extra time. They never charged him with an actual suppressor, mm. but they were using it at sentencing as part of his relevant conduct. So I said, it's not a suppressor. I found a motion. I said, I want to see it. And all said, what I'm getting from the government is, well, it's in Roswell, blah, blah, blah. I want to see it. I want it. I want it. I want it at the hearing. The sentencing hearing about well, this and that. Eventually, what this guy was looking at about fifteen years, right? Based on his priors. Great fucking guy, by the way. I don't know what he's doing being a thug. Guy's got a high IQ, super good at work, super good at metal, fantastic artist, right? Uh, very personal, good-looking guy. You know, he's just into firearms. It, he's a marijuana dealer that they moved into cocaine dealing by the undercover agents saying, no, we want Coke, we want Coke. So I had this whole thing about what's called um, sentencing entrapment. You know, I'm selling you marijuana, you insist on Coke, uh, and you insist on Coke, and you insist on Coke. Finally, I start selling you Coke, and the only reason you want Coke is so that my sentence will go up. Mm. It's called sentencing entrapment. So. I filed a motion against that, and I filed a motion against the suppressor. And finally, we came to an agreement on an agreed sentence. But the fact that I knew enough about suppressors to challenge that that was a suppressor resulted in him getting 10 years instead of 15. No big win, but that's five years on a guy's life.
0: Yeah, I suppose. You mentioned relevant conduct. What is relevant conduct?
1: There's volumes written on
0: it. Meaning? I mean, I I have the definition. I looked it up. Go ahead. A minute ago. Relevant conduct always includes acts. Hold on a second. That doesn't mean. Relevant conduct always includes acts the defendant counseled commanded, induced, procured, or willfully caused. In other words, if the defendant directs someone else to do something, the defendant is responsible for that person's actions as if the defendant did the acts himself.
1: That's, that's, that's basically that I don't agree with it. That. That's basically co-conspiratory liability. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's a great saying in Spanish. It's, uh, equally culpable as the guy who holds the cow's head as the guy who steals the milk from the cow you know yeah. it's it's basically what it means but that's not relevant conduct that's that's code you know it's a complex uh, liability um relevant conduct is this I, I, and there's a thousand ways of looking i deal with it on a daily basis almost right I'll tell you, I got a relevant conduct argument I'm going to make in about two weeks. Two women are transporting illegals, right? And they get stopped. And the offense level is an offense level 12, which is meaningless. But if you look at a sentencing chart, sentencing guideline chart, it'll tell you what it is. The co defendant, of my client, had a switchblade on her. My client gets tagged with that switchblade. She goes from an offense level 12 to an offense level 18 because possession of a dangerous weapon under the theory of relevant conduct. Because she, relevant conduct, means that she's responsible for her co-defendant having a dangerous weapon, a pocket knife, during the commission of a crime. My client didn't even know the woman had that. Now they're trying to tag her with it. I expect to win that point. Mm-hmm. Relevant conduct is this. You, I sell an informant an ounce of cocaine for three weeks. Then the informant, the ideal informant, actually pulls himself out and puts in an agent. All right? If I'm an informant and I'm buying an ounce a week from you, I'll come to you and go, look, um, I want to get out of this, but my cousin, my cousin wants to, you know. So, you know, talk to my cousin. You've sold me three ounces of Coke or three kilos of Coke. Mm -hmm. And my cousin wants to deal with you. So now, my cousin turns out to be an undercover agent. I'm an informant. My cousin's an agent. Big diff. All right? If I testify as an informant, I burn myself as an informant. An agent will not burn himself as an agent. So now... You agree to deal with my cousin, the agent. And you sell, let's say I've sold, I bought, I've sold, I bought three kilos from you. I'm the informant, right? And now in comes the agent. And he buys three kilos from you. And after the three kilos, he charges you with the sale of three kilos. Hmm? You plead guilty. You're not going to beat a sale to an undercover agent, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because you got in this truck, the truck was wired for sound, it was wired for video, so they got they got they got you selling that agent, you know they three kilos in his truck, yeah, and the agent will always try to, well, can you get me more? Can you do this? Can you do that right? So you get charged with three kilos. You plead guilty to three kilos. You go to sentencing, and now at sentencing, they're trying to make you guilty for the six kilos. And you go, what the fuck? The difference is maybe five to 40 or 10 to life. Right? Relevant conduct. Well, he sold an informant. Well, we have, and they put in reports. So relevant conduct is what I, I've described relevant conduct to clients like this. You see a path in the woods, and you're walking down the path, and it's all beautiful. There's trees growing on the side, nice sandy path, there's flowers. You know, you're looking around, and all of a sudden you're in quicksand up to your neck that's relevant conduct hmm. in terms of sentencing. That's relevant conduct. And it can jump you from the most unexpected places. Gun cases. I get a guy, he's got, he gets caught with a shotgun. Felon in possession of a firearm. The week before that, no, no, the year before that, he had threatened a girlfriend with a revolver. Hmm? He got charged by the state, but it was dismissed. Dismissed. So on March the 31st, this is true facts, he gets caught with a shotgun. The state charges him. But then the case passes on to the feds for felony possession. The day that they arrest him, they arrest him in a house, and they find a Glock. A Glock, a Glock 26, with a 50-round drum, and an obliterated number. He's not charged with the Glock on May 5th. He's still charged with the with the shotgun on March 31st. He pleads guilty to the Glock on on March 31st. When three when he goes to sentencing, when the pre-sentence report comes out, they're making relevant conduct the gun that he threatened his girlfriend with last year and the gun that they found on May the 5th at another girlfriend's house where they arrested him. He's not charged with with the May 5th or the year before gun. But guess what? If a felon in possession has more than three guns, your sentence almost doubles. Relevant conduct doubles that sentence. So now I have a. I never knew this guy had this here. I counted on getting hit with the relevant conduct on the May 5th Glock. Guess what? Not only that, even though he's not charged with the Glock, it's got an obliterated number, so he gets more sentence for that. And he's got a high-capacity magazine, a 50-round magazine, and a Glock 19 round, little round things you put underneath. Mm -hmm. It gets found in the laundry basket in the place where he's arrested. He doesn't live there. They can't prove it's his. Right? They go back to an old girlfriend and they go, did you ever see him with the gun that was found on May the 5th? I actually interviewed her. I videoed her. But now he's got three firearms instead of one. Mm -hmm. And he goes from about five-year sentence to a 12-year sentence. Fuck. That's relevant conduct. I never Oof. knew that he had this thing here. It's got to be three or more. It, and it's all written down. It's all tables. It's all very clear. But now they hit me with this thing, and I beat this thing. Wait a minute. I beat the, the judge actually rules in my favor. Uh. But guess what? They say, here's how they get to the three-gun there's a report that a cop once approached his car, a car they thought was his, and they saw a rifle in it. So I beat the time that he pointed the gun at his girlfriend because that's too remote in time. It was about a year before he gets caught on March 31st. That's too remote in time. But the day that the cop saw a rifle in what the cop thought might be his car comes up in relevant conduct. And it's a fucking landmine. It's 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 a minefield that you're walking your client through. Hmm. You know? And I tell my guys they S- go, This is,
0: sounds like something that was devised just to tighten up the noose for people who are accused of stuff.
1: Yeah. It's precisely what it is. And have it,
0: you, did you see, uh, I saw this story about a guy who was arrested for faking a heart attack in 20 restaurants oh, I love to that avoid guy. paying the I bill. Love <laughs> I love that story.
1: I love that story.
0: Eventually it didn't work out. He might have dodged a few bills, but eventually it didn't work out. I actually <laughs> did not pay the bill yesterday. Going back to End of the Mountain Gods. I went to some restaurant. I get there in the afternoon. I woke up. I worked out. Didn't have time to eat. I said, fuck it. I'll have my protein shake, coffee. I'll hit the road. I'll be there in two hours. I'll get some lunch at the hotel. I get there, I say, <clears throat> I said, I check in. I said, look, I haven't been here in a while. It's really nice weather today. I'd like to have lunch by the, by the, there's, there's a lake there.
1: Oh I yeah, said, said, the end of the guys?
0: Yeah, yeah, I said, "Can I have lunch by the lake? Is there a restaurant down there?" She goes, "No, that's already closed because it's out of season." I'm, I'm going, "Oh well, that's already stupid." So I said, "Okay, working, working, and go have lunch." She goes, "Try that restaurant over there." Okay, I go. I order a charcuterie board because I love that stuff—cheeses and crackers and salami yeah. and all that—and a, and a t-bone. And it's not exactly cheap. I mean, it's not expensive, but it's not cheap. They bring out the board. I look. I take one look at it. I say, "No." Nah. I said i said brother i'm sorry to do this but you got to take that back that looks like something that came out of a vending machine i mean it looked terrible okay no problem no problem they took it back they bring out the steak mac and cheese green beans i take a bite of the green beans they're cold take a bite of the mac and cheese it's hot on one side it's cold on the other side like they microwaved it but it wasn't microwaved enough i take three four bites out of the steak i'm hungry as fuck. it's terrible I called the waiter again. I said, listen, man, I, you know, I've never done this before, but dude, you got to, you got to just take this plate back. This is terrible. I, I thought like, this is just terrible. At least if you're going to microwave my food, at least heat it thoroughly. <laughs> like fuck. So I just got it. He's like, oh, no worries. No worries. You know, you don't have to pay. Just got All right, cool. I left the guy tip and I just got up and left. But uh, your tattoos, is there a story behind them or you just thought they were cool?
1: These are waves, right? Okay. And uh, this is a little red seal. Okay. That was the symbol for SEAL Team 1 back in my day. Little red seal, you can't even tell it's a seal anymore. Little, Little sailor cap. Mm -hmm. A little seal mustache. And it's a seal riding the waves.
0: Mm, Okay, I see it. Yeah. Okay. Now the waves... Looks like uh, the Pokemon Lapras. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not Lapras. Who am I thinking of? Dragonite? I'm I'm rusty on Pokemon. But anyway, it looks like one of those.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Waves were what we used to call women in the Navy. Oh. So... Okay, I see it. This does the, the,
0: the, the meaning there.
1: Yeah, I was writing the You're waves. You're riding the waves, I see. Yeah, riding the
0: waves. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's is. Like, uh, that, this is a trident. Yeah, that's I was gonna say that looks like what Poseidon carries.
1: Yeah. And uh this says Susan in there. <clears throat> oh, really? Yeah, which is my wife's name.
0: Wow, you got your wife's name tattooed on your arm. How realistic. Yeah,
1: it's uh I'm surprised we're still married because that's a bad luck thing. So if you get divorced, she takes that arm or what? No, I I got to marry another Susan.
0: Okay. That's <laughs> true. <Sure>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and well, uh, uh, this may be a little gross, but uh, I've always said that these two little round parts of the heart remind me of my wife's round butt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> and this is a dragon i had oh in yeah Okinawa. One
1: too. okay this was done the old-fashioned way
0: boom with a hammer oh yeah uh what is that called it's stick and poke dra- i
1: forgot what it's
0: called stick and poke yeah that's what I was, they do in prison uh, those are painful yeah i was
1: in uh i had it done by a guy in kin village uh-huh. i forgot what his name was you know uh And it took about three or four sessions. And I also have some on my hips. Mm. Um, I have a little, um, one is an Okinawan thing, and one is the yin-yang. And I forget on which hip. And <laughs> I used to be able to see them, <laughs> but funny. I've outgrown my ability. You can, you can stand in front is, of a mirror, yeah. And, and, I've outgrown my ability them. to see yeah. my hips, <laughs> and that's why my friend, you know, his you name was from Gary Hill. Walrus? Uh, they, Gary Hill said, You know, this is what happens to old Navy SEALs, they turn into Navy <laughs> walruses, and so you know. I'm a navy walrus. Well, let's end
0: on that. <laughs> that's that's funny. We'll end on that. We're uh-huh. more than three hours into this thing. Yeah. Uh always. Pleasure, I was
1: a class forty two. You and, were what? And I was with uh No, don't, don't just leave that candor, about it would uh, leave the ash. What was his name? Kerry. Um, uh, a guy became a senator.
0: You, you say that again? I didn't catch the first ball. What, what Carey, you
1: say? was Senator Kerry was one of my classmates. Well, a
0: 40 what'd you say?
1: 42? 42. Buds 42. Oh, oh I went oh, through oh, UDT okay. 18. Uh as a corpsman, you don't go directly to BUDS. I went through UDT in Key West, Florida. Uh-huh. I was in uh, UDT 18. And then you get sent to BUDS, but but what you get sent to BUDS for, you've already done all the all the diving shit, you know. What you get sent to Bud's for as a corpsman, is just uh, what's called land warfare school. You go on one of the islands, you practice ambushes, and they they, they teach you how to. Uh, you do ambushes, you do raids. Um, we didn't have any house clearing shit back then, you know, uh, stuff like that. But you just run, you run constant. Uh, you go through. Uh, you go through landmines, you know, where you step on the wrong thing. You know, a popper will come up. Mm. Uh, and then you crawl, you go through booby trap courses. By the way, I was the only guy in my class that made it straight through the booby trap course without a popper. Because what happens is you, you're crawling. And there's all kinds of booby traps everywhere. And you set one off. You go to the end of the line. You know. And then the next guy keeps going, he sets one off, he goes to the end of the line. And I was the only guy that made it without setting any off. Nice. Yeah. I I had experiences sneaking up on shit. <laughs> I did. <laughs> All
0: right. Let's talk, let's save that for another day. Uh let's get out of here. Thank you, Ken. Yeah, always a pleasure.
1: You. Uh always
0: always fun hanging out with you, having a little whiskey, having a cigar. Oh man. Um enjoy talking to you so uh we're out of here i'll be back uh uh, uh, i had uh i ate a little something i don't know earlier today but uh yeah i'm I'm gonna go get some dinner or make some dinner probably when i get home what are you want to
1: get some prime rib
0: let's talk about that let's talk about that right now let's hang up the the show and we'll talk about that later everybody